here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations, limited time only, plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Catch VoicesOfWrestling.com this week for continued coverage of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Power Struggle Tour, including a review this weekend of the pay-per-view headlined by Carl Anderson versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. October is over and the results are in. What was the best match in all of October? Right now, the front page of VoicesOfWrestling.com. With your votes in, we rank the top 10 matches of the month. New Brit Wrestling Roundtable, New Japan Pearlcast, Shake Them Ropes, new podcasts up now at VoicesOfWrestling.com. We appreciate all the support that you give to the website and our podcasts, and we love your continued support by using our Amazon affiliate link when you do your holiday shopping. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com slash Amazon, shop like normal at no extra cost, and your purchases help support the growth of Voices of Wrestling. Check out Voices of Wrestling on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, YouTube, Downcast, and more. The podcasts are free, the website is free, the debate is free. VoicesOfWrestling.com Do I have everybody's attention now? I'm so jacked up just thinking about this match and I'm standing and pacing in my bed. So in go Bernalis. In Bernabales. In go Nerablis. You're missing a B there, but that's There's a B? This is what I'm talking about. These letters don't go together. Oh, you're having a wank, are you? And it's like, no! Many, 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 Listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. Give me a name. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. 
All right, welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, internationally renowned broadcast journalist, Joel Landa. Joe, how are you? <clears throat> internationally acclaimed broadcast. <laughs> oh, but, if you, but if you want to say I'm renowned, I mean, I'll... I'll renowned's fine, too. I'll, yeah. I'll take that, too. I don't really have a problem with that. Um, so there may be breaking news audio on this. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're... Are you talking about the Hall of Fame? The, the Yes, the one Hall of Fame. Everyone's patiently waiting for this issue to come out. I was like, Dave, I even at the beginning of the day, it was like 9 a.m. And I said, God damn it, Dave, you're going to wait till we order recording till you release that thing. But we'll see. I, I seem to remember the Hall of Fame issue always coming out at like 935 or, or whatever, like super late on that day. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, come on. It, so we'll see. I don't know. It, you know. It'll be old news by the time people hear this, though. So. Um, yeah, I mean, we're, we have some other stuff we're going to talk about. If it does happen while we're we're doing the show, we'll try to talk about it, but not do like, a, oh, my God, oh, here's what's happening, because that'll look, sound absolutely I got silly by by tomorrow or whatever, but we'll we'll go through it and see what we can do if if it comes out. We have no idea. We're recording right now. It, you know, it's six fifty two Central Time for us. God only knows when this issue is going to come out. Um, so we'll see, but we'll keep an eye on it. And if it happens, we'll we'll break in with breaking news that's twenty four hours old at this point. But uh, we have plenty of stuff to talk about. We had Dragon Gate's huge show over the weekend. Uh, we got a big New Japan show this weekend. Um, Noah Global League is wrapping up, and then a little other stuff along the way uh, when we get there. But uh, that's that's gonna be the bulk of our show is Dragon Gate, New Japan, and, and Noah. So it'll be a very uh, pro centric. I don't think we're talking any like WWE at all today, right? I think we did unless all it's, that unless it's Hall of Fame pertained. Like, I mean, I think we did all that last week. That was yeah. a very WWE heavy show, and there's just not a lot going on. They're touring in Europe right now, and and you know, I guess the last two Raws have been pretty good. But, um, you know, there's just not a ton going on there right now. There's more going on. Their, in stars, their, their limbs are falling off of all their stars. That's it's uh, not good. But well, what did, you, did you watch Raw or no? Uh, I did not know. The main event was the Rich Crate special. It was an elimination match. Five versus I heard it was five. pretty good. Was it actually a legitimately good one? Or I, Listen, I, I like a good elimination Because you love every elimination I, I like a good I elimination every, match. So that's, you know that? that's, that's what we do here. But, but this, this, was, this was an elimination match. That all stick aside, Rich Krejci would have enjoyed. There were no cheap eliminations. No one got okay. rolled up. You know, no one got pinned following a body slam. Nobody got rolled up. There were no schoolboys. None that I remember anyway. There probably was. Now that I'm saying it, we're gonna have 19 people correcting us. <laughs> um, <laughs> they they did like they did the nano um, elimination of Xavier Woods right off the bat before he even got his gear off. Yeah, those are cool. I like those. Those are fine with me. I, you know, my favorite one was probably uh, remember when Mike Knox was teaming with uh, <laughs> yes. was going against like Degeneration X, CM Punk. And I forget oh, who their Mike partner Knox. was. Who the hell was that team? And they just they they kind of like DX just looked at Knox and they they, they they were like, well, who they they completely buried him because they were saying, well, who is it? They, they did that a lot this guy? in that era. Yeah, we yeah know that and then he just ate a super kick and got immediately pinned. But uh, Xavier Woods took the nano pin and there were some goofballs on Twitter complaining about that. Ah, oh, they're burying the new day. Oh, give me a break. <laughs> It's Xavier Woods. Like, he's a manager. It doesn't. It, 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 that doesn't bury anybody. With a trombone, like I think he's going to be fine. I think he'll be okay. <laughs> he, he, they'll get a. They'll, they'll get a perfectly good reaction next week. Trust me. There's nothing wrong. This with is it. a hell of a team here. Right, this, this, this is Survivor Series 2006. So the team DX is uh, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, CM Punk, and the Hardys. Yes. So you got that. This um, is a five on five. This is a full yeah five on My five. Favorite. So you have team team rated RKO. Joe, I'm going to let you uh, guess. A few of the members, I'll tell you if you're right or wrong. Well, so it's I'm team well, rated RKO. So there's two that you could probably get pretty easily. Well, three, because you throw in Knox, as, as yep. we already spoke about. So we got Edge, Orton, Knox, 
And uh, let's see. So you could always figure it out by who people were feuding with. CM Punk was feuding with Mike Knox at that time, believe it or not, because they were feuding mm-hmm. over Kelly Kelly. Yes, who uh, accompanied Mike Knox to the ring in this very match. Kelly so. Kelly was doing the abused girlfriend routine, and CM Punk was sort of saving the damsel in distress. Well, thankfully, thankfully WWE has moved on to bigger and better stories in their modern history. So that's that's good. We've we've put that in the past, and we're not doing that. Ah, anymore, yes, so. never again will we see that that type <laughs> of sto- uh, story uh, in WWE. But uh, so let's see. Uh, DX was feuding with the rated RKO gimmick, if I recall at the time. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. who did the Hardys have an issue with? What is this? 2006? 2006. 2006. It's going to be a little tough. This I, I don't think you're going to get I got to tell you, maybe. I have no fucking clue who the other two guys were. Yeah, this is like this era of WWE. Like we, we do trivia at the squared circle every so often. And like we everything like we're, we're nearly perfect on like everything like 80s, 90s, WCW, WWE. It doesn't matter. Even modern stuff we, we can nail. But there's this period of like I think about 2004 to like 2010 where I just have no fucking clue. Like you, you could like, like I said, like with this, I, I, I'm reading these two names and I, I have no recollection of any feud between these. I, I think I have somewhat of an idea about one of these guys, but I could be completely wrong. But the other two are Johnny Nitro and Gregory Helms. <laughs> what? Yeah, I didn't think you were if, ever going to get if that. If you told me that, I would I would say that you were lying. Like Greg, <laughs> If I just Gregory out of nowhere Helms? said, no, it was Gregory Helms. You'd go, no, it was <laughs> Was he doing the hurricane gimmick? No, this is he, remember he came. Th- this is he was like the cruiserweight champion, I believe, at this time. He was more straight laced. I don't know what his gimmick was at that point. He was just kind of like a normal. Well, I bet dude. his gimmick was probably I'm not the hurricane. I'm. I'm- yeah, it was sort of that. If, if you remember, I, I don't recall exactly what the nuance of it was, but yeah, it was sort of like he was very straight laced and very normal at this point. He was just kind of a wrestler's wrestler, not really, you know. I I don't think that lasted long. But I, I, uh, yeah, I don't know. About a year, I really? think. I mean, he had the cruiserweight title for a long time, but that's when they like forgot about the cruiserweight. I think it was just Th- stuff. Wait a minute, the cruiserweight title existed during this era? Yes. Oh yes. Oh, yeah. Like the, when ECW existed, the cruiserweight title existed. Yeah. Let's see if he was still. I believe so. Yeah. He, uh, um, Gregory Helm. He dropped the superhero gimmick in 2005 and began wrestling under his real name. Uh, he once again won the cruiserweight championship in early 2006. Held it for over a year, becoming the longest reigning cruiserweight champion of all time. I do remember this. He was like yeah. super cocky. And like low key, like uh, not okay. I do, I do remember. It was all on SmackDown. So yes. if you weren't watching SmackDown intently, you you probably missed a lot of it. But yeah, and this was this was not John Morrison yet. You know, he had to be John Morrison shortly thereafter because he he made that transition ECW, yeah. on ECW. He just came out one week looking like Jim Morrison, and decided that he was John Morrison. So I assume that came not long after this. Yeah, let's see when that happened here. Uh, da, 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 da. But I don't re- see those guys probably weren't feuding with the heart. These were probably random team members on both sides, which is yeah. I don't remember. I I will. Yeah, I'll be honest. I have no clue. <laughs> I'm not even gonna try well, to. Well, uh, well, 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 Morrison and Helms weren't even on the same show. Well, that was another year until Morrison. So that was 2007. Yeah, it was 2007. Wow. Okay. Hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you know what. Was was the Morrison deal his ECW debut or was I believe so. OK, so maybe he did. Maybe he was teaming with Helms during that, I have during that. Well, you know, sometimes there they, might have been like maybe Matt Hardy was going for the cruiserweight title or something or Jeff Hardy was doing. So I, I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue if they were. And this is why this era is so confusing, because sometimes they would do things just for that pay-per-view cycle. You know, what mm-hmm. I mean, it'd be like a four week feud. And they'd bump into each other backstage, and then yeah, it was just an excuse to do something with the guys. And then, and then once the pay per view was over, they both move on to something else. And who the fuck is going to remember that shit 
you know, uh, 11 years later or whatever. The, the best later. part of this era, the, or the hardest part, rather, of, of this era is, like, champions. Like, trying to figure out champions of this. Like, somebody, I think one of the questions at, at Squirt Circle a few weeks ago or, or a few months ago now at this point was something about the U.S. championship and, and who had the longest reigns of WWE U.S. champions or whatever. And, like, we got, like, two out of the eight names right. It's just, like, unbelievable. It's, like, Shelton Benjamin had, like, the, the longest and, like, all these guys. And there's, like, anytime a question about, like, Kofi Kingston's title reigns or, or, or Dolph Ziggler's title reigns or, like, any guys from this, like, this, it's just, it's nothing. I have absolutely nothing to give you. Well, you know, you know why it's so hard, too? At, at one point, you had three brands to pay attention to, not mm-hmm. just two. And for part of that chunk of time that you're talking about. I really, I wasn't big into it, right? Th- this is pretty much the point where I was almost out of it completely. Well, around well, even time. if you were, like, into it hardcore, you had to follow three different TV shows. Because they, they, when these brand splits were serious, guys didn't cross over very much. No, no, never. I mean, just they do it at major pay-per-views. At like SummerSlam, you would see like Triple H stare down with someone. And, you the know, major that would be pay-per-views. Sort of, because that's my yeah. other point, too. Not only did you have to follow three TV shows, they also had split-brand pay-per-views. Yeah, you're watching 16 pay-per-views a year, whatever the hell it was, which, yeah, I know. So if you, like, never watched SmackDown and never bought the SmackDown pay-per-views, how would you, you know, then you're going to have a hard time remembering that Gregory Helms, you know, sands the cape was Cruiserweight champion. Yeah, well, that, that's actually happened to me. I went to a live show. So I I, I pretty much primarily watch Raw just because, you know, it was on Mondays or whatever at this point. Like I said, I was kind of falling out uh, of wrestling a little bit. But uh, they were coming to town, so me and my buddy wanted to go or whatever. So we are like, yeah, let's do it or whatever. And, you know, Batista had went to SmackDown uh, after – I forgot what. You know, and this is like – I barely even followed when he won the title from Triple H. So I didn't really know, like, what the Batista thing was or what was going on or whatever. So we get to the live show and, like – they announced that Batista is going to be wrestling, and the crowd just goes absolutely apeshit. And I'm like, the fuck? Like, who cares a shit about Batista? Like, because at my point, I'm still remembering like Evolution Lackey Batista, and I didn't know that like he had become this mega superstar that like led that brand or whatever. And so then he comes out, and people are just going nuts, and there's like kids are crying and going. I'm like, what the fuck? Like, what the hell? And like, because I just didn't have that period. Like, I, I wasn't following SmackDown, I wasn't buying the pay per views. So the last I remembered of Batista was you know six months prior, where he was nothing, and I was like, oh my god, like the hell and like it was just it, it was a weird period for me definitely so you kind of missed out on the batista triple h deal in real time yeah for the most part i mean i was really not invested from like about 2005 until i got kind of back into it and then the benoit thing happened and then i was just like there was like a yeah about four or five months where i was just like i don't think i like wrestling anymore and then i finally got back into it then after that and really haven't kind of looked back but it, it, that's a weird period for me i was kind of on and off Especially that entire 2005 year, because that was the White Sox were like awesome that year, uh, uh, baseball wise or whatever. So I was I was watching that, like, and they were eventually win the World Series or whatever. Like, I just had no time for wrestling. I didn't care. I was watching, you know, my my childhood baseball team was actually good for once. So I was like, fuck wrestling, you know. So the AJ Pierzynski years. Yes, exactly. As they are uh, commonly so remember, referred I, I, to in the uh, in uh, Chicago. So I don't uh, I don't remember the first blood match between Mr. Kennedy and the Undertaker at Survivor Series 2006 either. The so. original Cuban Missile, Alexi Ramirez, yes, is uh, no longer He's a White Sox. So there you go. Uh, you know, they, he was a White Sox for what about ten years? Uh, 2006, I ten think seasons, he came to the team. Oh no, 2008, 2008, 2008, 2008 was just right, first. So he wasn't on that World Series team. No, no, he came out. Was that uh, was Juan Uribe on the Juan Uribe was uh, was the shortstop? Yep. You know Juan Uribe had he. I saw that fat ass on, in the World Series. I couldn't believe they cut to him. And he was like a pinch hitter. He I'm just like, he just did he did not get enough at bats in that world. You know when you got a man like Juan Uribe on your bench, Juan Uribe is a player who I don't care how old he is, I don't care how fat he's gotten, 
Juan Uribe, as an opposing fan, gives you what I call the fear because he swings so hard and mm-hmm. he never wastes an at-bat. And it's terrifying when he's at the plate because he can rip one in the gap or hit a home run at any given time because that man swings so hard that it practically breaks your television screen. And you see, he, he always drops down to his knees when he swings, too, because he's putting so much effort into it. That used to be the funniest thing is he'd hit home runs while on his knees because he just put so much effort into his swing. It's, it's unbelievable. You don't have to be a great player to give the fans the fear. And he's a perfect example of a guy who was never yeah. a great player, but he gives you the fear. You do not want Juan Uribe swaggering off somebody's bench in the bottom of the ninth with one out and two men on. Nursing a three-run lead. It's the last thing you want to see as an opposing fan, you know, other than a megastar coming up. You don't want Juan Uribe coming up. He, he, he can crush your dreams, man. He gives me the – I'm, I'm terrified of Juan Uribe. Did not get enough at-bats. Bad job out of Terry Collins. Should have worked Juan Uribe in there more. And he, he, he was a starter on that White Sox team, correct? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Star shortstop. shortstop really good. Made, made, the, made the final two plays. The one where he, he ran into the crowd to grab it and then uh, made the final. Uh, it was like a really, really hard charge at the ball and the, uh, a beautiful throw. Yeah, throughout the year, he was just unbelievable to watch live. I have not seen a shortstop live, you know, near, as good as him. And there's some guy, you know, I, of course, haven't seen a bunch of dudes live or whatever. But just watching that guy and like sitting in the upper deck and seeing the ground that he could cover. He wasn't in great shape then either, but he was just so good. His instincts were just unbelievable because he's he's not an athletic guy at all. Like he just his instincts and, and, and knowing how to play shortstop. I, I haven't seen anybody that was that good, you know, that without that much athleticism like a guy like a Manny Manchado or a, a guys like those who are awesome shortstops or whatever or, or you know um, who's the guy in Atlanta I'm blanking on his name oh Angelton Simmons yeah Angelton Simmons like those guys are freaks of nature yeah. but they're also super athletic yes. like I get how they can get to every single ball or whatever Juan Uribe looks like I, I, I anybody could beat that guy in a race yet he was still just incredible at getting to the ball and, and just a great arm as well yeah but no he was a starter a so. fun player to watch you know I compare guys like him who give you the fear like a good NBA comparison are like these uh, shitty two guards who just who shoot ridiculous percentage from the three point from three point range, and it's you know it's crunch time at the end of a game, and for some reason no one's covering these guys. And like it, James Posey, like JJ Redick or somebody yeah, like JJ that. Yeah, JJ Redick, James Posey, Robert Ory had that for a long time, where it was like, ah, we don't care about this guy, and then he'll drain a three on you. It's <laughs> like, like slow it. motion. You see him. You you see him. Like, no, he's like, open. Like, no. Why is no one covering That's... this man? <laughs> And, the, you know, the play takes a fraction of a second, but it feels like it takes 10 minutes, and you know that they are not missing. You know, it's just, it just you lock it in. You don't care about J.J. Redick for 45 minutes. But in those last three minutes of the game, if somehow that little shit uh, finds himself open behind the three-point line, and he kills you. So it, it's not only – sometimes it's not the great player that you worry about. What the hell are we talking about? Yeah, no, no one's listening anymore. So we can talk about whatever we want because everybody that normally listens has dropped off. This is off, a conversation so. for what are you calling your show with? Uh, uh, the KMP show. This KMP is a KMP show. conversation. What are we doing here? Good chance to plug it though, right? I mean, we, yeah, coming soon. We got the logo all ready to go. Uh, we're getting plans ready, but yeah, it's going to be uh, pretty soon. We'll start doing it weekly. So well, I just, I just gave you guys an hour worth of material. You need to do a show on players who aren't great players but are yeah. fun to watch. Okay. I can kill you in the clutch. And kill you, like killers. Yeah, that, that's important too. The Okay. Jotting it down right now. So we got it. So we're good. Um, don't take it for unfiltered though. Lands unfiltered. Do not. No, I just gave it to you, man. You got, okay. Well, it's ours. It's, I, it's all yours. I gave it to you. Okay, I think you guys right. could do a good Thank job with that. That'd be a fun show. You can. Yeah. Okay, speaking of wrestling. <laughs> which we Somehow didn't speak we got that. from the Raw, the Raw elimination match yeah, to how did JJ we get to Reddick. Rebay? How does this yeah. happen? How do we get to one year rebate? I, I don't know how these things happen. I actually do not remember how we got to one year. Get this back on track. Think. We got, you know what? Alexei Ramirez. 
who replaced How do we get to Alexei Ramirez? Replaced Juan Uribe as the White Sox shortstop. Ah, uh, because I stopped watching the Okay, because I stopped watching wrestling. Stop watching wrestling to watch the okay. White Sox when right. Juan Uribe. Right. Okay. okay, okay, okay. We're good. All right, so we're all All right. sweet. Yeah. Trying to get a destiny, Joe. Tremendous show. This was a fucking show here. Tremendous show. Whoa, you're real excited. You, I know that. You're, bu- you're, you're upsetting your mother again with the profanity. <laughs> you know? I don't think she, she – I never heard anything about last week's show, so I don't think she listened. I, so. No, I think she heard you discussed fisting <laughs> and got disgusted and X'd out and isn't talking to you now. That's yeah, it, it has been a while since I got a call from her, so maybe that's... She, she she heard you talking about fisting. She Googled it, and she's just – she's disgusted with you. <laughs> you're not getting anything for Christmas. You're not even getting invited over. Uh, thanks. Oh, I'm an only child, of course. Thanksgiving I am. is going to be super awkward, and uh, because you had to bring up fisting, and, and, and this is not, and this is not my fault this time. Anyone who didn't listen last, <laughs> that was week, all me. Yeah. I didn't even bring up the fisting. Rich brought up fisting. Believe it or not, not me. Sure. You can't blame me for this one, uh, Mrs. Creech. I didn't do it. <laughs> so yes, she the, the Dragon so Gate show. Now, now Case Low. Well, you say she hates me so much. Yeah, she really doesn't like you. She really I don't know. loathes me, huh? Yeah, she really does. I'm yeah. a fun-loving right. guy, Rich. I'm a fun-loving guy. I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not for everyone. Doesn't... That's, you know, I'm like, listen, I'm like ECW in 1995. It's not for everyone, man. Yeah, it's... and she's like uh, our, our friends on Twitter who have to tell us uh, when she doesn't listen or when she blocks or when she, you know. Ah, uh, yes, yes. She can't just she can't just not listen. She's got to be like, ah, I don't listen. I didn't listen because Joe was on again. No, I'm just joking. She's not that bad, but. <laughs> Dragon Gate is nasty. <laughs> Let's please get on track here. So the young boy really loved this show. He did. He gave it uh, uh, rave reviews in the review. Um, I have not read the review yet because I wanted to watch the show unspoiled, and I just finished it up uh, yesterday. So, but you, you, it was a tremendous review, correct? He did a good job. With the- oh, he did a great job. Yeah, it was. It was, and so he's been writing for us for a little bit here and there, uh, doing mostly the Dragon Gate stuff. That's kind of become his beat now because you and I have sort of said, "Hey, look, we can't we, we can't watch these shows live, or we can't watch them like the day after." So, you know, he's he's a guy who's who's right up there, either watching it live if it's on a weekend, or immediately like you know the afternoon of or whatever, because you know he's got time. He's he's you know he's a young boy, he's a young so boy. he's got I, well, I'll tell he's you. got his time. You know, you know it's 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 nice. I miss those days of having like. Well, I'll tell you what happened like, too. I mean, to be completely honest here, when when Dragon Gate was on UStream, I was handling. Oh, we were reviewing it like crazy. That's right, yeah. and I was handling uh, most of them, and you were filling in for for them now and then. But the thing is, like we discussed last week. I cannot figure out the smiling points deal for uh, for the Nico Nico. So when they switched over to Nico Nico, it became very much a hassle for me to review them because I'd have to wait till somebody uploaded them somewhere in the seedy dark corner of the internet somewhere. Uh, Case Low is a Dragon Gate super fan, so that's number one. And uh, he's able to purchase the smiling points and watch them live. That's number two. And the fact of the matter is, like we always say around here, Okay. If you find someone who could do the job better, you step out of the way and, and, yep. and you let them do it. And he followed. And that's that's exactly what he's gotten. Yeah. And he's, his writing has improved like crazy. And and even this last review, I even told him, I said, "This is you've you've got it. You you got your voice. You understand what to do." Because you know a lot of guys when they first review, they'll kind of dance around stuff. They won't really have a strong voice or whatever. But he's got it now. He's like, you know what? I'm not gonna say this was probably the best match of the night or whatever. You know, just just say it. Just give your opinion. Get strong and and do it. And that's that's what makes your writing so much better. And that's yeah, he, he's definitely improved tenfold you're sub podcasting right now but uh let me switch the topic but uh he but the other thing is he he knows the promotion inside and out and he knows the promotion better than we do too uh yeah he's following it more regularly than we are yeah, at this point so so you know it, it just makes total sense to delegate that off to him and uh so so there you go so check out his review uh which will probably look i love the show i get the impression that you love the show he really really loved the show so you will get a different perspective too if you read his review. Now, um, let's start with the main event. 
let's not. Yeah, let's let's do that. Yeah, we don't need to start with Super <laughs> Shashioka Boy versus uh, Santa Maria and all that. everybody's talking about. Yeah, let, let's go to main event. Yeah, main events, of course. Uh, we, we've been talking a lot about it. There was a link that was floating around. Like we, we suggested, if you can, you know, I've, of course, purchase the show if you want. But this 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 link was popping up a few different places, and and that's a good thing because a lot of people weren't able to see it then. And I'm sure there's been extra people that have bought it or, or have gotten into Dragon. So it's always it's cool when like one match will sort of float, and especially if it's like a really really important match that a bunch of people are talking about. But yeah, this one, I mean, you, you even got a huge segment of, of Dave Meltzer on his radio show just raving about this match as well. I mean, it was it was this point of contention for. Some people have started a big argument about like the Dragon Gate style and all this sort of stuff. We're not going to get into that too much, but of course, it's the Open the Dream Gate Championship. Uh, Shingo Takaki versus uh, Mochizuki, Mochizuki. Um, I mean, what, what can you say? I mean, it was. I case gave it five stars. I've seen a bunch of five stars up there. I went a little bit. I, I went four, and some people got really mad at me that I went four, and that was too low. And I had to remind people that sort of my scale. You know, four is a very, very, very good match, the, the way I rate stuff. Like, five is, like, transcendently good, like, an all-time great, like, I'm going to watch this one forever, and it's one that, you know, I'm always going to recommend to people or whatever. I don't know if this was quite that, but this was still a spectacular match, and I think both guys put in just tremendous, like, I, I don't know if the match was all-time great, but I think the performances of both these guys was all-time great. I thought uh, I liked the match better than you. I really got wrapped up in the, in the story that they told in the match. I have it at about four and a half, um, four and a quarter, four and a half, somewhere in that range, probably leaning closer to four and a half. And I think that, and I'd like your take on this. To me, I thought this was probably the best individual Shingo performance of his entire career. Oh, no doubt. Absolutely. He's, he's had a, a really good run. This These past three months or three or four months or whatever has been incredible. But yeah, this was him just just so so much harnessing the character that's perfect for him and just so much harnessing what the character needs to be. The, this this current Shingo character, you know, the, the the leader of this unit, the Berserk unit or whatever. It's just, yeah, this was perfect. This was absolute perfection from Shingo. The best I've ever seen him because he's always sort of danced around doing stuff like this. Like this is what I think a lot of people always thought Shingo would be or should be. And he's doing it, and it, it, it's fantastic. And I, I did want to say, too, before you, you get into other things as well, as far as like a Dreamgate match as well, I think this might have been my favorite Dreamgate match in, in, in so long because and, – and we talk about this all the time where we always get super hyped for these Dreamgate matches and we see these matchups and we're like, all right, here we go. It's you know X versus X or whatever, and we're super excited. And the match, it almost always disappoints. And a lot of it is because, you know, for all the crap that Dragon Gate gets for having this, you know, manic style and everyone's running around and doing nuts things or whatever, the Dream Gate matches are never that. They're like 40 minutes and the first like 32 are them like, you know, doing holds and mat work and like dancing around each other, not really doing much or whatever. And then those last six minutes are crazy or whatever. But this one wasn't that. This was so different right off the bat. And that's what I think just woke everybody up right away because they said, okay, this isn't going to be your normal. This is a different match focused on this match. And it, it, it was clear that was the, the intent you know, from the beginning, and it made it one of my favorite Dreamgate matches in a long, long while. Yeah, my fear going into the match was because a lot of times these Dreamgate title matches are exactly what you say. They try way too hard to have these long, epic matches, and it runs far too counter to Dragon Gate's style. And a lot of times they leave me real flat. I mean, they've, they've had Dreamgate title matches that go 35, 40 minutes. And it's just, they're dragged out. And I just don't think they're very good. And actually, you, you know, a couple years ago, I can point to an example, uh, was one that involved Shingo. Shingo versus Shima. I think it was at uh, Kobe World a couple years ago. Mm, yeah, yeah, And yeah. that match just did nothing for me. In fact, I didn't even like the match. It was just too long. It was too dry. It was, they tried to, to, to you know, go in there and do what you do. 
You know what I mean? It's it's look, I, I understand it it's a big dream game man. You want to do something a little different, make it special. But at the end of the day, you are, you are. You know what I mean? And 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 sometimes those matches just don't work for me. That's not what this match was at all. This match uh, wasn't overbloated in any way. I mean, look at the very first spot in the match. Right at the bell, Mochizuki just came flying in and kicked Shingo in the face, and off we go. I mean, he just right. That, that basically said, "Hey, wake up! This is gonna be different." Like I said, it was just like, "Okay, yeah, don't don't think you're gonna sit around and wait around and kind of okay, stuff's gonna happen." No, stuff's gonna happen right from the get go, and that's that's exactly what happened here. And it, and and with that said, it wasn't. Um, some it wasn't overbloated in the sense that it was a crazy spot fest, not by any means. No, no. This was a classic world title match, is what it was. Uh, that you would see in 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 any promotion uh, that told several different stories. You have the story of this this asshole prick uh, Shingo who went heel, turned against his you know literal best friends with the Monster Express, that whole thing, and uh, now he's like this dickhead leading the leading the heel faction. And uh, the fans have never gotten behind him anyway. All the times they've tried to push him as a babyface, never taken. Um, you know, and, and and now he's leading this this faction of guys who who really the fans have never gotten behind. So it's working out real great. Uh, he just came off beating uh, Don Fuji, who who was another one of the uh, older veterans in the promotion. So he has this gimmick going where he's beating all the old guys and then taunting them about how old and washed up and how finished they are, and uh, you know how he's uh, you know younger and better and stronger. And then you have Mochizuki, which which really this match really represented like his last stand, like it was this guy's last shot at glory. It's this 46 year old guy who's been the dream gate champion before he had a great dream gate run in 2011. One of my favorite dream gate runs of all time was the Mochizuki dream gate run. And the story of the match was he gave, he gave shingle everything he had and he just wasn't good enough. Yeah, and, and the translation from from iHeartDG, of course, Dragon Gate J uh, wrote here that Mochizuki apologized for losing. This is after the match, so of course Mochizuki loses, and and they do the the post match promos, which I, I put it on Twitter as well. And that even if you don't read these translations, which of course you, you need to read these if you want to get into it, but even if you don't, if you just click out of a Dragon Gate match once it's over, I think you miss a lot of what's super important about it too. Because when these guys get on the microphone and talk, and and their emotion and and what they do and how the fans react or whatever, that's super important. Even though you don't know what they're saying and you don't know exactly, I and mean, of course you you can find out what they're saying. I don't know if it's absolutely necessary because just having Mochizuki in this ring here and he's just, you know, he's slumped down and the crowd's just like, you know, chanting his name, but it's like eerily silent because they know it's like it felt kind of like a funeral. You know what I mean? And like he's like almost at tears or whatever talking about it. But essentially what he said is, you know, he apologized for losing. He did as much as his his nearly 46 year old body would allow, but it wasn't enough. And in tears as he was giving that. Yeah. So, you know, the story was clear. This was like his last stand, you know, and I, I don't know if he'll get another Dreamgate title shot somewhere down the line. But, you know, that was the story here. And, and you know, he really he blitzed Shingo right from the bell, was taking it to him. I thought Shingo's selling in this match, his woozy, like concussed uh, selling from all the kicks he was taking to the head was just utterly brilliant. His facial expressions, the way he kind of, um, the, the way he was just sauntering around the ring, like he didn't have control of his, of his, uh, of his balance and all that from the Mochizuki kicks, and uh, the desperation uh, moves that Shingo kept countering Mochizuki with to keep him at bay, and uh, Moki really, he just gave him everything he had, took him to the limit, but Shingo won it clean as a sheet in the middle, 
Yeah, I thought that was that was that was important. I think it, it it took a little bit away from I think maybe the epicness of the match, and maybe that's something that some people can say is oh you know I won't go five stars because they didn't go back and forth for for a long time. But I think for story wise, it, it was super important that he just went there and, and beat him good because you get a little bit of Mochizuki. I mean, he kicked out of the. Um, you know, a few moves. He kicked out at one. He kind of null sold another move, and and that to me wasn't that big of a deal because it was sort of like we always talk about. If you you can kick out at one and you can no sell some things every so often, if it's gonna be a big important thing, and that's what it was. It was him. You know, I, I forgot the exact move he took. I don't remember. Off the top of my I head, don't remember but. a one count kick. Count. Yeah, he he, he right. kicked out at one. Yeah, but I, yeah, he, he kicked he, out at one. He of, did kick out of a. That's Falconry, though. And it was right before that, though. It was right before that. Whatever move was before... I'll have to look it up here real quick. Uh, whatever move yeah. was before that, Probably he kicked out at one. The big lariats uh, or the big pumping hogs or something. But, yeah, okay, that was the pumping uh, bombers. Yeah, it was a pumping bomber. So he, he got the... Bombers, you know, um, something, yeah. yeah, yeah. So he took one of those. Uh, I think he took two, didn't he? And I think he kicked out of one of them or whatever. But it, it doesn't matter. He basically, he, he no-sold one of them, kicked out of one. It, it just, regardless of what the moves were, he essentially was just kind of doing, okay, this is it. This is all I have. And then finally, there was that one falconry, one one too many or whatever. And it was just, it was done. He was yeah. over. And he yeah. didn't move like five minutes because it would just sell that. That like, okay, look, I gave it. I thought that was important too, that he didn't get up and immediately start cutting his promo when Shingo was done or whatever. After that last falconry, he basically laid on the ground for a while as to say, you know, hey, shit, that was my last little adrenaline. I'm done. I'm spent. I'm over. He was face, and that's, that's he where was it face yeah. down on the mat, folded in half as his mates were trying to revive him, and he was just yeah, Exactly. And, that, nothing, and that's where I think it's important. Absolutely nothing left in the tank. Such an important detail, and I'm glad you brought exactly. it up. Yeah, no, and that's, that's where, where, you know, people sort of mention, oh, he kicked out of one. Oh, he, he no-sold this move or whatever. That, you, you know, you can't just look at it in a micro uh, of that one move or that one thing or whatever. Think about it in the whole match or whatever. And in the context of that, finally, when he was down for three, he was fucking done. And that's, you know, that's super important because, yeah, like you said, that's that's him saying, OK, here's my last little breath. Here's my last little thing. Here's this. Here's this. OK, you beat me anyway. I'm done. Like that's that's I've given you all my energy to kick out at one and to kick out of that move or whatever, I'm done. I'm over. I'm spent to the point where I can't even get up. My guys are, are, are grabbing me, trying to pick me up, and I'm done. And that's that's important. So you got to remember that as a part of the, the, the package as well when, when you talk about you know selling the moves and that sort of stuff. That's, that's important as well. And down the stretch of that match when he was popping up from stuff, he wasn't popping up in a no-sell kind of way. He was popping up, and he was clearly out on his feet. Yeah, there was one where he pops up and he's just like he's like spinning in the air. <laughs> he's, he's, like, he's, he's popping up defiantly, like you know, fuck you, um, I, you're going to have to kill me. And he did it a couple times, and that to me, that's what's great about. I love spots like that. You know what I mean? He wasn't popping up and then firing off offense. He was popping up, you know, showing fight and showing heart and and getting up off his feet and just and saying, you gotta you've gotta kill me. If you want to beat me, and that's ultimately what happened. Shingo killed him, and and he beat him. And um, you know, I, I all the way through. I mean, I was I was compelled. I was I was I was into this match and compelled by everything that was going on in this match from from bell to fucking bell. This match never lost me, and that's really another thing, another key to why I thought it was a great match. Uh, they they there wasn't a single rest hold in this match. They didn't slow it down. Uh, just for the sake of slowing it down to extend the match and work those long epics like we talked about earlier. There was none of that, which you see too much in these Dreamgate matches. Yeah, it only went 24 minutes as well, which I think is, when you look at the other matches on this card, I mean, that 
you know, it was a few minutes longer than the tag match that preceded it. And it was all action, but it wasn't hyper action. It was all part, everything that happened in the match played into the story. And it was all constant motion, and it was excellent. He attacked him right at the bell, and then he's attacking him with the kicks. So early in the match, Shingo goes after the legs. He says, I got to take these kicks away. And then there's, there's, there's a spot maybe in the first third of the match where Shingo thinks he took finally took the weapon away. And Shingo's saying, come on, kick me, because I, I've worked your legs over. Kick me. And Moki's kicking him, and Shingo's just laughing at him. He's like, ah, see, I, I've taken away the kicks. These aren't, these aren't effective. And then Moki just digs down deep and, and throws this flurry of kicks and, and takes Shingo down again. And Shingo's- I think one of them hits him in the side of the ear, too, which I remember was like just an awesome kick because he was like kind of chopping him down and doing like the tree trunk thing or whatever. And then just chops him in the head and knocks him down, if I remember correctly. If that's the right sequence. It is. It's the exact of. sequence. And then, yeah. and then Shingo just has this look on his face like, shit. Like, fuck. That, that <laughs> didn't it. work. And then he just abandoned ship on that. He's like, well, fuck it. I, I'm not going to be able to take that away. And then it was just basically Shingo just that great counter sequence where Shingo – uh, hits the lariat, and then he did like that crazy shoulder block and knocked Mochizuki halfway across the ring into the turnbuckle. Remember that spot? That's crazy. Yeah. And then the great thing about it again is they both sold it. You know, Shingo was so good in this match because typical Shingo at that point would be to fire up and then follow up with more offense and throw a bunch of bombs, but he didn't. He was still selling the effects from the from the from the kicks in the head. Five minutes earlier in the match, and then and, and you know, and then Mochizuki, I think, actually was the one who who went on offense after that because you know Shingo was still so damaged from earlier in the match. Just everything about this match was just incredible storytelling, an all-time performance for Shingo. My opinion and yours as well, because you agreed with me, I guess. His greatest singular performance in a match yeah. ever. I won't go that far with Mochizuki because this guy. Listen, this is a guy, in my opinion is an all-time great. I really believe that. I, I- well, we had a conversation in our uh, Slack group today. Uh, somebody asked, I, I forgot who exactly it was, that said, is Mochizuki the, the, you know, the greatest Dragon Gate wrestler ever? If you really look at like the body, the work, in-ring sort of stuff, like Shima's always sort of the one we talk about as being sort of the figurehead in a lot of ways, and probably the most important guy in Dragon Gate, uh, of course, would be Shima, but when you talk about like purely in-ring stuff, is Mochizuki that guy? And and it's a good debate. Like We, we weren't really sure, and maybe that's a, a debate for another day, or maybe it's like an article or something that someone can do, but yeah, I mean, you can make a case. I mean, when you look at his body of work, and that's it, it led to a lot of people sort of looking, including myself, and going, man, that guy's got a, a nice little resume built up. He is your classic backbone guy in a promotion. Mm-hmm. You know, you have a promotion, you need those guys who are your backbones. He's Nakayama a lot of ways. He reminds me very much of him. Very, you know, that's not the worst comparison. The guy's just a great backbone in that promotion. Someone else made a good point. And, I, you know, I'm going to keep saying someone else. I'm sorry. I can't remember all these, <laughs> We're terrible, these random yeah. Twitter We're guys. I, I, sometimes yeah. I just can't. And, I, and we love to give credit. You know that. But, I mean, someone else made a great point. They're like, look, you know, a month ago, this guy was working six-man openers. And, you know, that speaks to the booking where they built him up to the point. But it also speaks not only to the booking but to the stock that this guy has with the fans as a backbone guy, the kind of guy that you can push at any time and he has instant credibility. Yeah, because he's one of those backbone guys. He's more, he's fucking. No one's gonna roll their eyes. No one's gonna roll their this eyes. They is, always sort of assume that he's worthy of it. This is a guy worthy of Masaki motherfucking Mokazuki. He's one of those guys where you can throw motherfucking between the two, and he deserves it, and he earned it because he's one of those guys who he's just, he's just legit, and you, you take him seriously under any circumstances. And you know, you know, it, it's you know, he's he, to me. You know, when I say all-time great, look, I don't think he's one of the 10 best wrestlers of all time. Uh, but, you know, do I think he's one of the 50 best wrestlers of all time? I wouldn't hesitate at all to put him as one of the top. The guy's, he, 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 the guy's a great pro wrestler. There's no way around. The guy's a great pro wrestler, Rich. 
And the other thing about it is he's 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 so much different than so many of the guys on the roster. You know, there's guys on this roster who I talk about as being underrated all the time. Jimmy Susumu is a great example. Underrated pro wrestler, maybe one of the 20 best wrestlers in the world right now. But there's a lot of guys on the on the roster who work like Susumu. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. is he really that much different than a, than a Jimmy Saito or or you know a, a million other guys on the roster? Uh, not really. Who on that roster works like Mokuzukido and who has over the years? Nobody. He's a guy who comes in the ring and he's a grumpy veteran. He the guy was a this one of these guys that was a grumpy veteran when he was 30 years yeah. old. And I think that's important, too, to mention, because there were some people talking about, you know, maybe people that aren't as familiar with Dragon Gate were saying, oh, you know, he didn't show much fire in here and there was not, you know, not enough emotion from Mochizuki or whatever. And that's that's not what you're going to get. He's not going to slap the mat and, and and you know, slap the turnbuckle and do that sort of comeback guy. That's not what he's been ever. Look, I mean, he's, he's not a 1980s mullet wearing southern baby face who's going to slap hands with the fans and, and pump his fist. That's not the kind of baby face he is. Mm-hmm. He's not that kind of baby face. He's not going to scream in the middle of his matches or get excited or or pump up the crowd he's never been that and especially now at 46 years old he's a grumpy stoic no nonsense ass kicker yeah in a lot of ways he's he's maybe and i don't mean this as a slight but he's boring like like if you watch did you watch the the uh, the interview segment he did before you know they always have like after the after the opener or whatever they'll have you know the interview segment with the guys and and shingo's out there and he's on this big rant calling you know mochizuki an old bastard and you're old or whatever and mochizuki gets the mic and he, he essentially just in like the most stoic voice uh and the translate even even gets that too that i heard dg translate is uh he was going to win tonight uh today and hoped the fans would cheer as he did so yeah no there's the problem no is i am going to win and i hope you cheer with me just no nonsense Bye. yeah <laughs> and like you get that he gets the mic and he's like uh-huh 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 It's just like hands it off and it's like, okay. But but here's the thing. But it works. This guy has a reputation for being a killer promo. Because exactly. during the millennial days, when because T Hawk is a guy who they they have a lot of fun with because he struggles on promos, he would be a guy who would come out and interrupt T Hawk's promos and take the mic and then like give T Hawk promo lessons and the crowd would get a kick out of it. But the thing is, in this context, like in in a match like this. This guy has has what you know is his like we talked about before. This is this man's last stand. He's 46 years old. He has a chance to win the title that means more to him than anything else. He's not going to go out there and go back and forth. His character is not going to go out there and have a back and forth with Shingo. Right. He's going to go out there and tell you, "Look, I'm coming out here to win this title and win the match. I don't have much more to say." That's perfect for what he is. And and I think you're right. I think there were some people who just the thing with Dragon Gate and we talk about it all the time and we're not going to get bogged down in this. You cannot just parachute in and watch these matches and understand them. It, this is like we barely can. We barely can just jump in. I mean, for this, I, I really had to go back and, like I said, we, we talked about this last week when we said we haven't been following it. I went back and read and watched as much as I could in anticipation of watching this because if, even I didn't feel like I was and prepared. Like and I'm, I'm a guy. And follow it. Yeah, exactly. It might have been two months. It may have been a month since I had really followed it intently, but I felt like I missed, you know, years worth of stuff because it's it's so deep and so dense and so voluminous that you can't just jump in. I mean, you really got to know what's the motivation of guys, the units, you know, what guys are doing, the history between the guys. Like, there's so much. You, it's it's not. It's just not a promotion where I can say, hey, watch this. And, and we're know? not overstating it when we say those things. I no, mean, no, it, it's, it's it's absolutely a necessity. It's it, this is a very very with the exception with the possible exception of lucha this is the worst promotion in the world where you can just parachute in and watch a big show and have any idea what's going on it's it it makes it very difficult and um you know again i forget who made this point but someone who's a big dragon gay fan actually i think it was lariato it was i think it was senior lariato who made this point he said look 
it was very hard for me to break through and finally immerse myself and get Dragon Gate. You really have to spend time with this promotion to get it. And then when it clicks, man, it clicks. When you start to get it, you start to get it. Because you really – it's it's you, you have to understand. You can't just parachute in and watch these shows. They're not, they're not going to impress you the same way that they, that, that they impress people who, who, are, who are all in on it. But uh, yeah, so Mochizuki, look. Uh, he's not the kind of guy who's going to go out there and show a ton of fire. He's he's the kind of guy who's going to go out there and attempt to kick your chest in, and attempt to yep. concuss you, and attempt to kill you. And that you know that, that, that that's his style. It would have been out of character for him to be a fired up babyface under that scenario. So uh, he worked. He was he was he was great in the match, but Shingle was next level in the match. He really was, and he's really yeah. owning this new direction. And mm-hmm. and I have a feeling that this is going to be this has a chance to really be the trademark run of his career. He's held this title before. He's always been a top guy almost from the minute uh, you know that he debuted in the promotion. It wasn't much longer afterwards where they where he was in the top mix, but again, you know, he's he's been miscast at times. They've tried to to to, to get him over. They've teamed him with some of the most beloved people in the company at various times, whether it's uh, Tazawa, Yamato, whatever, and it just hasn't worked. It just doesn't. The fans don't get behind. This is the role he was made for, uh, you know, because the fans don't want to cheer him anyway. Rich, when he hit that final, um, uh, when he finally hit that finisher on Mojizuki and got that three count, the fans went from chanting Moki's name uh, to. D- Dead silence. They yeah. that ripped. It's a funeral. Like I said, it was a funeral. They were like, "Oh no!" <laughs> it, it ripped the hearts out of these people, and and they were dead silent for both of the post match pro. And it was and it wasn't the bad kind of dead silence. It wasn't the kind of dead silence where, uh oh, this was the wrong fucking finish, and this is going to send the company spiraling in the wrong direction. No, it was dead silence because it was the right fucking finish. There's no way Mochizuki should have won this match. And this puts enormous heat on Shingo moving forward. Yeah. And he even talked about who's you know who's the next old man that I'm gonna take out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I want to mention a few things about the post match. You know, Shingo gets in there and, and, and does the promo post match. And again, I heart DG uh, for all these translations is fantastic. Uh, he says the old man sure overdid it today. It's dangerous for someone his age to be jumping around like that. Uh like Fuji, it was time for him to begin his retirement countdown. And then yeah, he been, essentially just says, you know, I don't want to hear anything more about you, Mochizuki, about going for the dream gate like i told fuji you know you guys aren't gonna do it and then yeah who, who's next and what old farts next or whatever uh and then shima actually which is an interesting thing because shima was doing commentary as well uh they cut to him afterwards and you sort of see him talking at the end of the show and the translation essentially said that uh shima uh said that in his long career this was the first time he experienced such an uncomfortable ending to a big show yeah. which i think is perfect i, I think that's exactly it, it for everybody there it was uncomfortable that like damn it this guy won again and then he's just such a piece of shit like and, and this I, I think this unit too, the berserk we'll talk about the other matches as well i think they're doing just a fantastic job of of seeming like a real danger uh to kind of the status quo dragon and, and you know you've had you've had units like this like a mad blanket was similar to this there's just something different about this one i don't know what it is it's a lot of the same guys but it just feels it feels bigger it feels better i mean there's there's you know in, in one night we're gonna talk about another one they ripped the heart out of like two of their favorites you know their hometown you know the, the promotion's favorite guys or whatever both got their harps ripped out by this company by this unit on this day or whatever so it was a very uncomfortable feel for a show but that's perfect it's good it's a good uncomfortable because people cannot wait for Shingo to get someone to go there and kick Shingo's ass and beat him, and preferably an old guy. Or I don't think so. I mean, I think it's going to be Tozawa Kobe World is my hope, but we'll see. Who knows? This this w- which would be a perfect long term direction because that's you know who he uh, you know he turned on Tozawa and met and and uh, and um, 
Monster Express to, to kick this whole thing off. But um, so, yeah, it's like uh, this was this was a show which was designed to put over the new heel faction big time. And you can see it in the results. And uh, and I and then I guess we can go through the card now. Right. Unless you have anything yeah, else let's to do that. about the main no, event. That's it for me. Uh, for the main event, uh, I think, let me see. Yeah, no, that's it for me. So we can go. I'll tell you this match. It's going to show up in a lot of top 10 lists at the end of the year. And yeah. it's going to show up real high on some lists at the end of the year. But it's going to be completely absent from a lot of lists, too. This is not a match that's a threat to win match of the year. But it, it will be some people's matches of the year. It's gonna. It's gonna get. It's gonna get number one votes for sure. This is you know. This is gonna be people's top Dragon Gate. This is my top Dragon Gate match of the year. Person. There was. I really. I, I really like the Shingo Tozawa uh, match from what was it June? I believe. I don't remember the month. June or May or something. There's there's one or two that I think I remember a little bit and they've more. They've had some but... tag matches in that company. Yeah, there's been some good tags, but it's right. I mean, it, just off the top of my head, it's at least in that top three. This for this me. And ticked I... all of my personal boxes. Emotion, great storytelling, classic uh, world title match. Um, they didn't try to do too much and make it just ticked every box that I like. And it had two guys that I think, uh, th- that I'm into too. And that always helps. I mean, you have to be emotionally invested in these guys too. You yeah. know, that helps a lot. So yeah. And I think being the culmination of a really good show as well helps when you're sort of watching it all together. It's that's what really helps as well. If you just sort of watch the match without the context of the other show or whatever, I think it loses a little bit. I think it was a little bit more important. The fact that this, this was a top to bottom, a, a fantastic show. And this capping it off was just like, man, what you, you know what I mean? Like when it was all said and done, you just had a, a great feeling. You're just like, man, I just, you know, it, it was, you know, a four plus hour, you know, show or whatever. But that ended it off and it was just like, that's ah, pretty sweet. You know, like I, I thought that was important for me as well as to watch it in the context of this entire show. And a great crowd and up. a great crowd for the main event, too. Because yeah. it was one of those uh, – I'm going to make an MMA comparison here. This is like one of those – this was like a crowd where, where Mo- Mochizuki was kind of like Randy Couture at the end, where if you weren't ro- rooting for Mochizuki, you didn't have a soul. Everyone in that building was rooting for the same guy. Right. There was no reason to vote for – to root for Shingo. You were just a dickhead if you, you were. Yeah, right. you're just, just a bad no person. No reason. So you had an entire yeah. building behind the guy. And that's where the argument where he didn't show fire falls flat because he had the entire building behind him right up until the final three count. The crowd was you know, was was begging for this guy to win. Uh, so he had them in the palm of his hands. So that just goes to show that the story that they told and, and the way that he worked the match was picture perfect. And, and the way that they reacted like he died – as soon as the match ended. So, you know, that, that you know, that, that kind of adds to that too, but yeah, let's go through the show. All right. Uh, you have it in front of you as well. Actually don't man. I'm actually sure the right you. order. So, oh uh, no, you know, make sure I got it all. Uh, I think I got an order. I don't know. Was this the pre-show? I don't remember if this is the pre-show or not, but it was super Shisha, uh, Sachioka boy versus Yokosuke Santa Maria and UT. That was uh, indeed course. the zero match. Do you, need that was the zero. Okay. Okay. I have it in as number one, but I wasn't sure if that was the pre-show. Okay. But. So you, so you do have the show in front of you then. Yep, yep, I got everything done. Okay. For production meeting for, for... Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't think there was anything we have to say. <laughs> was there anything there that... Uh... I got one, you know, I got one one thing to say about this. Okay. Is I thought this was kind of cool because you had uh, the former Sisha boy once again teaming with his mentor here, which was a little... I, I don't know if it was... Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, an yeah. intentional nod to the hardcore Dragon Gate fan, but that's kind of cool because... These guys were the quintessential zero match tag team for years until, you know, uh, until boy combined his two gimmicks 
and went off and 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 you know you know he's still pretty much a prelim guy but you know I thought it was a lot of fun to see those two guys team again and Superstitia is a guy who is an excellent worker who from what I understand and from what I'm told just doesn't care whether he's pushed or not you know he yeah. he does a lot <laughs> of the training in the dojo and works with these tremendous young guys that we're going to talk about yeah there's a few here and uh and and he just doesn't really care that whether he gets pushed or not and he's always protected in these matches though you know he very rarely takes a pin unless he's in there with the true big boys and and things like that and he's on the winning side a lot and he scores a lot of pins this is a, a solid veteran guy on you know on the undercards and in the dark matches and i thought it was cool to two guys team now ut is a guy who's kind of they've hit the reset button on i mean this yeah, is a guy yeah. who Heavily pushed with the millennials, and now he's kind of starting back zero, which is fine because he's a kid. You know, that's you know, that's that's how things go. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, and then right before this match happened, uh, Shima came out to sort of talk about his new unit. Uh, their over generation is the name of theirs, their unit, and it's it's stemming from the concept. You know, it's older and younger guys together, it, which is actually a pretty cool thing. You know, you got some old farts in there, and then you have some super super young guys, and we'll talk about them, of course. So it's a, it's a pretty cool unit. And he said, uh, uh, one of the fun things of this unit is they're all going to have capes. When they enter the ring, so they all how have awesome capes. are these capes? Because El Lindemann, they are fantastic capes. I wonder, how, did they just have those on hand, or did they get those all ordered? Because like those are like really intricate capes. Like I don't feel like you could just make a cape in like two days. You know what I mean? Like this inspired me. I wanted to show up. You bought a cape the next day. With a cape. I wanted to go to work the next day with a cape. This these capes are fantastic. What a tremendous gimmick. Who thinks of this stuff in Dragon Gate? They and then. Shima, someone walked out to the crowd and like grabbed a child, and I, I have no idea what was going on. But apparently, uh, uh, Jay says that they uh, they chose the most energetic kid to uh, bring into the ring to uh, add energy to over generation. But and he did the uh, he, she rang <laughs> the opening bell, which which was a very. Did you notice that or no? Uh, no, I didn't. No. Yeah, they they cut to Shima. He was at ringside. They they like with the little girl, and they both like one hand on the on the hammer. And then they rang. Oh, okay, the no, bell. I didn't miss that. Okay, they rang the bell to start the match together, and Shima just had like the world's biggest smile on his face. The girl was having <laughs> the time of her life. It's great stuff, you know. That's great stuff. You know, it's, it's, it's fantastic. But yeah, so over generation in this case, it was Aita L. Lindemann and one of the two new rookies that they debuted, Kyoto Ashida, and uh, they got a big win here over the. Uh, yes, they did. Yes, the so they, they start off against uh, KZ, Big R, Shimizu, and Drastic Boy. This was uh, this was good. This was a really really good one, and it's it's it was essentially a showcase for the for the new unit, uh, the over generation or whatever. I mean, it was pretty well them sort of. And I wouldn't say dominating, but at least having a big you know part of that. El Lindemann looked great. Uh, Ata looked pretty solid as well. But the the, the young boy, um, he looked fantastic. Ashita is a guy who I I really enjoy. Look, he's so small at this point. His body's gonna fill out eventually. I don't know well, how old is he. I don't guy, know how old like he is. Fourteen. He's, yeah. he's, <laughs> he's probably you know. But what's good about him? Whatever they say, they're lying. He's like three years younger than whatever they say. Let's see what they. Uh, he does not play for the LA Galaxy. Apparently, there's <laughs> maybe he did. I don't know. Is he from Irvine, California? Well, he's so new that he does not have a cage match. Holy before. shit! This might be him. Kyoto Ishida. He has a pro soccer background. I don't know. Yeah, he did. He was. Uh, that, I mean, shit. That looks just like him. Let's see. I have no idea. He was a trainee for. Uh, um, Jesus, I don't know. That might be him. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. You're gonna have a hard time finding info. Maybe, maybe yeah. Jai's site has a profile. I know he doesn't. I was on the roster no. page earlier. He has an update because he just changed the site. And I, I don't. Yeah, think exactly. Yeah, I know. I was kind of. I was like, oh, he doesn't have the I, I wanted. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so what I, oh, yeah. <laughs> while you're trying to find that, what, what I liked about this was his interactions with big R 
because Big R, by Dragon Gate standards, is one of the bigger guys on the roster. He's essentially a power junior. You know, he's probably about the same. Eh, maybe he's, he's probably a little bigger than Shingo, right? But not drastically larger than Shingo. No, 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 Big no. R. I mean, he's right there. Yeah. He's like a power junior, and and just him tossing around this 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 Ashida, who who clearly needs to uh, beef up with the rice and and gain a little weight. Uh, but those were fun interactions. This is also the end for Drastic Boy, at least for now. This was it. This is his farewell. He's not on any of these shows moving forward on the next tour. I enjoyed the Drastic Boy run. I enjoyed everything I saw out of him, but I always liked him. I liked him in DTU. I liked him when he came here, so we'll see if they bring him back. Uh, we were told that he badly wants to come back and that he badly wants to be part of Dragon Gate, so we'll have to see with that. But a big win for uh, for the Cape team uh, here in the in the the official opener. Did you find out anything more about I got show? nothing. I have nothing. No. Oh, well. Someone please enlighten us, because if that that'd be sweet if he was like a, a budgeting like soccer star that had to get out. Because this guy was born in 1998. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really look like him though. But I don't know. I know nothing of soccer, so who knows? But uh, maybe he's a, a very important guy. This other one that we're talking about, and people are gonna think we're idiots. But this company is just loaded with young talent, and and I don't think they have the 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 upper level high ceiling talent young talent that ddt or new japan has i think higuchi is clearly a guy who can be a superstar oh he already looks like he's great he can be a superstar i mean you know new japan your finleys and your jay whites and your kamatsus and tanakas are just so fucking good so I, i don't know if but but dragon gate might be the deepest with the young talent because i think the dragon gate guys run deeper you know the, D- D- the the dna guys are great higuchi and a couple others but you know the further you go down i think dragon gate might be the deepest with the young talent but japan is in good shape with these young with the, all these promotions seem to have these great young wrestlers. every time you turn around there's like three or four new guys popping up that are, are, are great Even at and, Noah, and I know. it's like every every promotion has a guy you know it's it, the, at least the major ones do and and a lot of these promotions like dragon gate and ddt in new japan they have several guys so yeah, they're just DDT has a whole well, subcompany. Exactly, that's doing, they have their yeah. whole version of NXT going on over there, and and you know they have a bunch of tremendous talent. But yeah, Dragon Gate loaded with young talent. Uh, that's speaking of the young talent, we had the third match here with Cyber Kong Monday Ryu, and then uh, taking on Punch Tamananga, and then uh, Takiro Yamamura. Uh, is it Yamamura? Yamamura. Yamamura. That's okay. Yep. He he he's got a little bit more size to him. Um, he looks like a guy that once he fills out is going to be uh. uh at least body wise is going to be a guy that they can push and, and do some stuff with. I mean, he looks, he's got the looks of a, of a, of a wrestler, but I, he's there too. I mean, he's, he's really, really good as well. He, he stuck out to me. Uh, there was another match not that long ago. I forgot probably about a month or so ago that I saw and I went, Oh Jesus, this guy's pretty good. He, he might be my favorite of the two. Actually. They're two months in both of these guys. It was just insane. <laughs> like, Yamamura is the guy who insiders, according to the, the, he's the guy that dragon gate feels is the mm-hmm. is the next ace? He's I I don't I can't find out exactly his his height and weight and all that sort of stuff. But he looks like a big dude. Like obviously still pretty young, but a guy that when you high drag gate standards a big yeah, but yeah, of course he's probably like he's probably five nine five or whatever. But <laughs> right, but a drag gate that's yeah. he might as well be a, a strong man at that. But yeah, no, he 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 stood. I mean, when he cuts in the ring, he stands out like like uh, Higuchi that you mentioned before in DDT and DNA. He's a guy that you just see him or and and you're just like oh my god, like he's. Because a lot of these guys come in and they, they look like children or whatever. This guy, you know, he looks like he's young, but he's got the the height 
that you know can sort of fill out and become something important. Yeah, he's only he's, look, he's only two months in, and it's not right. Really, who knows? It's not really fair, but this is what I mean. Like I think all, he's the guy who the company feels like is the next ace, and you can kind of yeah. see why they think that for the reasons you just said. He kind of has a, kind of a presence to him, but to me, he he isn't popping off of my screen the way that Higuchi is, the way that Kamatsu is. The way that Gable is in NXT, I think he's no, he's he's certainly below those guys. But, but he's only two months in. Yeah, exactly. People that's are going to read this as we're bashing these guys. When two seconds earlier, I said that they have the deepest collection of young talent in all the wrestling. I just don't think that any of their young guys are popping for me the way that some of these other guys are. Um, even Akitamiya, I got to be fair. I think he pops off my. But again, he's like three years in. So yeah, I think that I, I, let's let's revisit this in about six months, maybe. Right, but. But all I'm saying is they're I, still healing from their wounds of uh, whoever chopping the fuck out of their chest. Whatever. Yes. Did you see that on, on uh, Dragon Gate? They uh, they retweeted something. They had four new trainees the other day and they took a picture of them and they're just bleeding their chest. They're just bright red. You're just like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, like, it's crazy. It's just like and I'm like, like it made me hurt. Like I was like, oh, God, like I, I probably just would quit. I'd probably be like, you know what? I'm cool. Thanks, though. I think I'm all right, though. But I mean, you know, leave Yamamore out of this. Let me ask you, it. does L. Lindemann pop like those guys to you? Does he pop to you no. like a Gable does? No, he's, he's good, but yeah, he's just good. You, you sort of see the ceiling with this. Does that. Aeta pop off the screen to you like that no, guy? That, he I comes think that's close. The issue with he the comes close. I think the issue with the Dragon Gate guys is, yeah, they all sort of feel like they all have a ceiling. And that's been a problem with Dragon uh, Of course, we can even, you know, put that to T-Hawk as well. They all just kind of feel like... Yeah, yeah, there's like a level that they're going to get to and they're probably just going to stop there and they'll be like, yeah, that, they're good, but they're just going to be roster hands. You don't see like this guy's going to lead them into the next generation or whatever. You don't see that quite yet. And again, we think but these guys are pretty great, great especially for oh, their yeah. experience level, but this is the guy Yamamura who they think will pop and will yeah. be a night. That, that's from I, the I inside. You know, that's the inside word. So he's the one you want to keep your eye on more so than Ashita from that perspective. Ashita looks like a guy he already bumps his ass off and sells like a motherfucker. Oh, he'll be in he'll be in openers and, and and the first two matches for the rest, you know, for the next 10 years or whatever. Which is fine. That's that's cool. Yeah, and it's hard and again it's hard to tell because these guys are 2 months in. So I mean, you yeah. know, we could look foolish. I, I you know, and I'm not I'm not putting a ceiling on either one of them, honestly. I'm just telling you what I think of them 2 months in. So, like look at look at Haguchi. That guy was having matches at the same like a month or two into his career. Where you're just like, oh my god, this guy. His his presence. That that's a guy. And we're talking about. Uh, he's from DT DNA. Uh, if you haven't watched the DNA match, I know there's a thread on our. Um, we have a rookie tracking thread, and I know there's some matches that got posted there. If you want to see who this guy is and, and what's about him or whatever, he's just a guy. You talk about presence. There's just something. I mean, you can the minute you turn it on, you're like, okay, <laughs> like there's there's just something different of how he conducts himself, how he works in the ring, how he what. He's a natural. He's absolutely a natural. Yeah. yeah the first time I saw that kid, and it was like. Literally a month into his career, I was like, "Oh my god, this guy's gonna be a superstar, a superstar." Big body as well. I mean, I, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about like roided out guys. When, when I'm saying big body, people probably think I'm thinking of these like gigantic, you know, Johnny Laurinaitis guys. I just mean they're tall. You can just see or, that. Not like, necessarily tall, but filled out. Yeah, sort of filled out. But no, I, I I see he's got a lot of length as well. He's just a guy that you know that you know when he's 22, 23 or whatever, and adds a little bit of muscle that he's gonna have just this. It's just gonna pop off your screen because he's just gonna look. He's gonna look the part. And it's the instincts, and that's what we talked yeah. about about Gable a couple of weeks ago on the show. It's like, you know, when I went and, and it really didn't happen for me with Gable until I saw him live. I saw Gable live, and as soon as he came out of the curtain, he just gave me that oh my god feeling, like whoa, this guy has something. And then the way he just worked the apron when he wasn't even tagged in, and then the way he bumped around, you're like, all right, this guy just he has something that 
almost no one else on this show has. And this was a show at Yuha Nation and and uh, and Jordan and and uh, and 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 Bailey. But but Gable just have something that, the, that these other people don't have. And this was a loaded show. And that's what Higuchi gives you. I'm not sure any of these Dragon Gate guys give me that. And I know we're going to get buried for this, but we're, we're really not burying these guys. It's just we're, we're hope you know, we think that, you know, one of them, maybe this guy will be the guy who, who get, you know, who gets that level. But it's, it's really great what's going on in Japan where you can talk about a guy who's two months in and, and, and just be having these conversations. There's so much young talent in Japan. It's really a cool time for that. Uh, move on here. We have uh, Dragon Kid Flamita. Uh, they defeated uh, Genki Horiguchi and Jimmy Kanda. Yeah, I mean, you know, this this was a very good match for the position it was on the card. Does that make sense? Yeah, I got about eight minutes. I mean, what are you going to get out of that? It's... And Flamita's another guy who is might be done for good um, because he might be starting up with AAA very soon, mm-hmm. and this could be it for him, which I was surprised he didn't, you know, do a job on his way out of the territory, so to speak. But they love him. <laughs> they love him. I, I'm, I'm sure they'd love to have him back. I mean, he had that long Brave Gate run. He's, you know, he did tremendous work. Remember, he debuted with Dragon Gate with Rocky Lobo. Remember that? They were both in yeah. the Millennials. Rocky yeah. Lobo kind of disappeared, ended up doing some Noah shots, I think, and uh, kind of just went back to Mexico. Flamita's the guy that stuck and, um, you know, had the long Brave Gate run. And, and you know, the, the Dragon Gate Flamita team, you know, was one, it was one heck of a team on the show and you know when you're in there with two guys like Kanda and Higuchi, uh, Horiguchi who are great veterans Horiguchi was a lot of fun in this match yeah, oh yeah. Um, this was a this was a very this was a solid this was a fun card match somewhere probably in the three three and a quarter range right somewhere in there yeah oh yeah yeah and they got uh, they got bags of whey protein for winning I don't know <laughs> I don't know what was going on there I don't know if they were advertising protein or whatever or why they gave it to Dragon Kid and Flamita but again this is why <laughs> Maybe an inside Drag joke at, at Dragon. More than any other, like, I, this is why I've stared at my screen and nearly purchased Rosetta Stone to learn Japanese because I'm dying to fully immerse myself. Because <laughs> they win the match, and all of a sudden, like a guy with a giant oversized check comes in. But it's it's like a it's not a check; it's like a billboard for this like whey protein. And then they have uh, uh, Dragon can Flamita hold the protein up for like five minutes and take photos, and then, then they just walk away. I mean, and then they went all the way to the ring. They they carried they had to carry it all the way to the back, this bag of protein or whatever, and then just went back into the ring. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I mean, Jai does. Is it a reward? Is I, it a? I, I would love to know. And it's like Jai does such a great job with the site. And you know, could you imagine following this promotion without that guy? I mean, I assume he's like, no clue. I mean, it's like. But We've always imagine, said if he does fanfic, that's fine because it's it's it really is next level great fanfic. <laughs> it's like, but imagine how much we're we're missing out on by not knowing Japanese with this. Imagine the the nuances that we're not getting from this because you know there's more shit that we're never understanding and we're never hearing. That oh yeah, I mean, yeah. you know it's 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 it, it really it inspires you to learn Japanese. All right, so then we had the Open the Brave Gate three-way championship. Which another thing I liked about this card is that it, it seemed to get to the business end pretty quick. Like, all those matches on the undercard were, were very short, or, or not very short, but at least were short enough. They all seemed to be about the right length. And then you're already looking at this match as the fifth match down the card or whatever, and you're like, holy shit, nice. It's already the, you six know. Six minutes, six minutes, six minutes, eight minutes. Yeah. Dra- and I mentioned this on Twitter when I was watching the show. On these Dragon Gate big shows, these big, you know, they're five big shows a year or whatever it is, or four or five big shows a year. The undercard never overstays its welcome. 
and that that speaks to what you're saying right now. And and they really get to the business end of things, and they, and, and which allows those matches to have the necessary time. They never overstay their welcome with these undercard matches. They, you know, what these undercard matches are like in Dragon Gate on these big shows. It's like they go in there and they say, okay, all we're working is the closing stretch, and then it ends up being a lot of fun. Because they're not wasting time building it. They just get in there and they work a closing stretch. And really, that's fine for undercard matches. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Because then you're not burned out once this business end starts. And this is, like I said, it was the fifth match, you know, the fourth actual one on the show, if you didn't watch the pre-show. And you're already ready to go. And you got the open, the Brave Gate three-way. It was Akira Tozawa defending his title. And of course, he's had a huge reign there uh, against Kotaku, uh, Kotaku uh, uh, and then uh, Tanazaki, the former... Mr. Dolphin Man. But. Yes. And one other quick thing about these undercards is they keep the undercards light. The matches are fun. They're not, yeah. they're not storyline heavy. They're not like intense undercard matches. You know, the, the, the opener or the second match on the show is never a blood feud. They're fun and they're light. And like you said, yeah. because of that, kind of laugh. Yeah. You know. They're out there. They're having fun. They're playing to the crowd. They're doing their key spots. And then, like you said, by the time you get to the business end, you're not even close to being burnt out yet. So it's, it's, it's interesting how they structure their big shows. Yes, of course, this is always eighth defense uh, of the Brave Gate. And of course, uh, Tanizaki and, and Kotaka are uh, both in Berserk. So it was sort of a, uh, against all odds for Tozawa here. And they played it, and I love the structure of this match as well because Tozawa goes in and he knows he's kind of screwed. And, you, you know, you weren't really sure if those two guys were going to, you know, maybe work, you know, face each other a little bit on the way there, but they didn't. They just double teamed Tozawa the entire time. He was just up against all odds. Uh, eventually was able to uh, defeat Tanizaki and, and knock him out of the match, but then it became too much. Berserk uh, interfered. Uh, basically, everybody in the stable <laughs> you know, used their finisher on Tozawa. He still almost kicked out and still almost survived, but when it was all said and done, it was just too much for him, and and he dropped the Brave Gate to uh, Kotaku, who uh, a lot of people were sort of, in a way, upset, but I think it was a good upset in a lot of ways because it was, it was good. It, like we talked about, it was uncomfortable, and that's not necessarily always a bad thing because – he was just up against so many odds and just couldn't do it. I mean, he he just he he took all their finishers. He got double teamed the entire match. He took you know everything that he could possibly do. He got dual chair shots, all this sort of stuff. It, they had to basically shoot the guy to kill him, and, and you know in the end they did. And that's it, it was a good story. I really 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 like this match a lot. I loved everything about this match. God, I love this match. It was almost as good as the main event for me because there were so many – again, there's so many layers here. He had the two versus one match against these same two guys you know, um, um, not too long ago. And they actually – I think they played that up in the, in the opening video before this they match. Did. And then you know, this, this time it's a three-way elimination. But everybody watching knows that it's a two-on-one match again. And Tazawa is such a lovable figure and he's had this great run. And from day one, he's put over the fact that he loves this title so much and I'm going to hold it forever. And this title means everything to me. It means more than anything to me, and I'm never losing this title. And he gets in there, and he's 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 against all odds, and he eliminates Tanizaki, and he's and he's getting attacked from all corners from these guys, and it, and just when and then the crowd, and you know he's in there with Katoka, so of course everybody thinks he got rid of the tougher guy. So you figure, all right, everyone figures, all right, he's gonna he's gonna come back here, and he's gonna be Katoka, and we're all gonna be happy, and we're all gonna cheer, and then Katoka like rolled him up and cradled him and pinned him. Yeah, it was kind of a flash pin as well, which is. Kind Cool. It was a flash pin and it shocked the shit out of everyone. And the way Tazawa sold it, like he was shocked. He's like, no, it cannot end like this. I was on the verge of the world's greatest comeback and I let this little shit cradle me up and hold me, and, you know, and, and get the pin. And, and I cannot believe I lost my title. And he just put his hand in his, he put his head in his hands and he got down to his knees and he showed so much emotion. He couldn't believe it. And then Katoma. You know, 
he he's got the title. He straps it around his shoulder and he puts one foot on Tazawa's back to yeah. pose with the title. <laughs> and Tazawa is so distraught that he doesn't even he can't even do anything about it. Yeah, back. he's just like, I don't care. He I'm not even a human anymore. <laughs> because at this point, he's so wrapped up in the idea that he's so disappointed in himself for letting this guy cradle it that he doesn't even bother like throwing him off of his back. And Katoka's being such a little shit, such a little shit, Rich posing Screaming with the, the entire title. time. We're doing just like the entire. I mean, he did like four thousand. Yeah, gimmick. Which again, how do they come up with this shit? It's so <laughs> did you hear his, his theme music made me laugh too? Because I, I was listening and I was like doing something else, and I was just like, because it's just him doing the blah, and then like, and I was just like, what the fuck is going <laughs> like, on? Like, like somebody is in a studio being like, all right, can I get that one more time? Uh, thank you. All right, cool. Now we're just gonna lay this four hundred times on this song, and there we go. Perfect. Got it. God, like, this. Fucking promotion is when they are good, they are so good. And I know you joked about this, and we do the same rant every time, but we kick ourselves for not following it day to day the way we do some other places. It shows like this, and matches like this, and booking like this, and emotion like this. This is the best company in the world when they're on. This is the best company in the world when they're on. And this match was so good. Everything about it. And Tazawa's reactions. Oh, my God. This was such good stuff. And again, I love this match, and again yeah. you don't get the Superman bullshit in this company. We talked about it with BB Hulk. You know, the baby face. You know, remember that five-on-one elimination match that he had where he had to go through five members or whatever it was, a mad blankie, and he lost when he got to, like, the third guy. He didn't even get to the fifth guy because that would have been insulting to the viewer. Once he got through the mad blankie jobbers, the, the Mandu Ryus and the guys like that, once he got to a decent guy, I think it was Doi. I may be misremembering. But once he got to someone who was halfway decent because he was battle-weary from fighting two other men, he lost. He didn't even get to, like, the fifth guy. Could you imagine that on Raw? Could you imagine John Cena having a five versus one match on Raw where he has to eliminate every – he'd win the fucking match. He would right. He wouldn't everybody. lose the third guy. He would at least get to – if he lost, he would go all the way to the final guy. Right. And that if would be – anything. Okay? There's no right. chance he'd lose to the third guy. Same deal here. Like Tazawa, he's facing two guys. It's basically a two-on-one match. He beats the first guy, and they fuck with your emotions because everyone figured he was just going to beat Katoka, and that could – beats him because just because you're a baby face doesn't mean that you have to overcome all the odds all the time and i fucking love that because i hate that fucking trope in wrestling where the where i cannot stand the superman com- you know that rich i don't like superman oh yeah i didn't like hulk hogan matches when i was nine i didn't like those matches when i was nine i can't stand jerry lawler with his stupid strap i can't stand the wrong reigns for me i hate the superman trope and it bought you know it wouldn't bother me if tazawa won because this isn't a company where they do that all the time this is a company where you lose to the third guy and don't even get to the fifth guy and it's enough that the baby face shows fire and shows heart because that gets they don't have to win to get over in a situation like that you just have to acquit yourself well and show some fight and that's what these guys do in dragon gate and it's good enough and how can you come out of this match not having a ton of emotion for Tazawa and wanting him to get this fucking title back and beat that little prick. It's impossible yep. not to. It's okay that he lost. It's actually better that he lost. This yeah, is, I'm glad. This is when this company's on fire when they do stuff like this. I love and this And I'm kind of glad he lost. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad he lost to this guy as well because people said, oh, he's not like a worthy champion. I think that's a good thing. I think it's a good idea that it's like, fuck, it was this guy? Like, Because then it builds up the story a little bit more. If it was Tazawa losing to whoever, you, you know, well, pick to, anybody. If it was Tanizaki who's been around longer than Katoka, 
focus. Yeah, exactly. Okay, like basically anybody that's at least a little bit better than it, it would suck. It'd be like because then he wouldn't be so much of a dejected like ah oh, god like that's the guy I lost and it after elevates, all this time. And it elevates yeah. Katoka with the new gimmick. Yeah, exactly. You know, Katoka's a guy who's been struggling to find his niche. He was doing the Seba thing for a while, and he was kind of bouncing between fat. He's got a thing now, and this elevates him. This was the per. This match was perfectly booked. This is why. Whoever the fuck is booking Dragon Gate, and, and according to Jai, it's just a team effort. So on your observer ballots, if you're putting them in your top three, put Dragon it's Gate. Dragon <laughs> Gate committee. I mean, that because, you know, no one's got seen. This is why I'm probably going to vote the Dragon Gate committee number one and best booker because of shit like this. And this is just brilliant stuff, and it just works on every level. I, I love this. I, I can't brag enough about how, how much I love this match. I love this match, and I love the book. This wasn't a great – this wasn't some kind of classic – match from it. Look, it was well worked, but it wasn't some, this, you're not going to remember the work in a match like this. You're going to remember the booking. You're going to remember the story. Just great stuff. Fires me up. I move on to the open the triangle gate uh, championship match here with Shima, Don Fuji, and Gamma. Uh, they, of course, this is uh, I think their fourth defense here. This would have been this would have been their fourth. Uh, of course, they did win here. Uh, their fourth defense. They were against uh, Jimmy Sumu, Jimmy Kanas, and then Rio, uh, Jimmy Saito, as you mentioned. Uh, they win. Uh, and Shima, after the match, they decide to forfeit the titles. They vacate them. Uh, Shima, here's, here's essentially the translation here. Shima asked the fans to hold off on their bathroom and smoke break for a little bit longer, which I had to get a good laugh at. Uh, while he was happy they successfully defended it, he had been thinking about what Saito said to him back at Sambo Hall about the veteran trio not needing the Triangle Gate. With the start of overgeneration and Fuji focusing on the sumos, this was as good a place as any to vacate the titles. The Jimmys can field a number of teams. Berserk, Monster Express, or an OG team featuring one of the youngsters could also potentially take the titles. So they were relinquishing them. Shima thanked Fuji for his assistance. Fuji shook his hand but quickly turned to the Jimmies and left with them to prepare for the Sumos versus Berserk all-out war that's going on, uh, I believe, this weekend as well. So Shima basically says, eh, there's probably better teams that can win this title, so we're done. And there was always a, a weirdness, too, because these guys are kind of in different factions at this point now. So it, it's just it's a way for them to sort of get the titles to a faction-specific team, which is fine. Yeah, this is the kind of curveballs that this company throws at you. They've defended the title four times. I, like we talked about in the preview, in our mini preview for the show, I've, I, I enjoy, I've enjoyed this Triangle Gate run. Yeah, I kind of like them as being sort of... team. Yeah, and I, and I kind of like it that they're all in different sort of units as well. They just kind of get together every month or so to go, hey, shit, we got these titles again. You want to fight? Yeah, okay, well, Fuji's kind of flo- Fuji's the one that's kind of yeah, floating he around. He's like, he's doing the sumo thing with the silly sumo thing with the jimmies. And, you know, so, I mean, so I'm glad, I, you know... This is this again. This is kind of creative because, you know, nine times out of ten, if you're going to go in another direction with these three guys, you're just going to have the Jimmys win the titles here, right? But no, they have them win and then vacate the titles. And Dragon Gate pulls shit like that from time to time. You know what I mean? And it 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 it, it makes these these characters and these wrestlers feel more human, you know, because they yeah. they make like human decisions. You know, sometimes. You have a job that you like and you just decide, you know what, I need to change pace. I don't want this job anymore. You know, I'm going to find a new job or you're in a relationship and it's just like, you know, I, you know, so you ever have a clean breakup, Rich, have you ever had like a nice breakup with somebody? Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, you know, yeah. And it's like, sometimes it's like, look, you know, this isn't, this is nice and we get along and this is, this is like my last relationship, you know? And it's just like, it's just, there's just something that's not working the way it should be. Let's just shake hands and stay friends and you know sometimes and that's what this is it's like all right well you know we have these titles but this isn't the best fit for us right now so fuck it we don't want them 
and they just vacate titles. And there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And 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 again, that's that's you know good creativity. As far as the match yeah. goes, I didn't like the match. I got no, I didn't really like it much either. Uh, God damn it! Why do you always agree with me? Like, Sorry, no, this one, yeah, this one just did. On, I, I think it was the emotion do, of the other we've stuff. We've got to yeah. do the PTI thing here, okay? I know. So you've got to pretend. I thought you were gonna like this. I thought you were gonna like this one. Nah, I did, but I didn't like it either, man. It's just the crowd brawling immediately is just like, uh Yeah, well, when they're up, at, when they're in the fucking like, you know, forty seventh row up in the second deck or whatever, I was kind of like, okay, that's 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 unfortunately kind of been the problem with these guys. There's been a few matches where they've just kind of like done these like like fifteen of the minutes are like them getting to the second deck to brawl or whatever. It just yeah, it didn't do much for the me. The thing with this team too is kind of they're more like the idea of the team more so than the match. They've had some yeah. decent matches, but the thing is, it's like they're so over these guys and they're you know it's like they you know they don't they don't need to go out there and have these you know they can do literally four star matches to get over you know what I mean but I mean the finish was great with Gamma doing that sky twister fucking this is yeah what is that that's a crazy move how old, how old is that man too he's that's... an old man too he's gotta be over 40 I, I'm gonna guess 42 there's no way I do that when I'm 40 I can't do that into a pool let alone into like a like now I don't think I could do that if I was jumping into a pool you know what I mean like and the thing with Gamma yeah he's 42 on the, I got that one on the Jesus. dot but um he the thing with Gamma is he surprises you with his athleticism because he's yeah. kind of like He's a goofball. He's kind of stumpy. He's, he's stumpy and, and he's like, a goofy guy, and you know he's kind of just he's out. He's having fun out there. You know what I mean? And then he just pulls shit out like that, and you're just like, you know, it shocks the shit out of you. He's a guy who, for years, it took me a real long time to turn the corner with him, and I I really like him in his in like his. I guess we would call these his twilight years as he's post 40 is where I really finally turned the corner on him. He was the kind of guy where his match would come on and I'd be like, Oh, all right. Do I skip or do I not skip? You know what I mean? But I, right. I finally turned the corner on gamma. Um, I, you know, I had a beef with him, but yeah, I, I, I didn't love the match, but I, I, I like the fact, you know, that they vacated the titles and we'll see. What yeah. the oh, another cool thing about that as well. And then we'll move on to the, the twin gate here is the cool thing too, is Shima, even though he's against some of these other units, he can also respect these guys are pretty good. You know, like he's saying, eh, berserk, you know, they got some units that can win or whatever. And that's, again, you talk about the humanizing of like that real people act like that, like real people can, can can say that somebody might be better than them or that this other unit, even though they hate them is good or whatever. You know what I mean? Like you can play sports and hate this other team, but understand that they're better. You know, there's just, and, and we always talk about WWE where these guys don't live in like a real world. They live in this, like they live in a WWE universe they live where in like this sort of stuff universe. We're in primary colors and where no one behaves like real people. Yeah, like nobody, nobody has any human emotions. Nobody feels. Nobody does it. Like they feel whatever it is at that moment in that arena, and then it's uh, it's done. It's just yeah. It's whereas this, you know, Shima can admit, hey, you know, there's probably better teams that can win this title. So yeah. it's fine. They watch TV from weird angles, and every, right, well, everything's bright red and blue, and you know, and and no one, nobody speaks like real people speak, and you know. Right, and when you're when you're done talking with someone, you just stare. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You just—I have to go now. I have to go now. Okay, bye. And then I just stare. Ha, has they... anyone ever left the room? Did you ever stare at them until they were completely out of your sight? I mean, it's just—I usually follow them on the way out or whatever. Like, what am I doing in that room? Like, what, what... The company's so fucking stupid. And you know, you, you watch a show like this, which is a great show with all of these human emotions, actual human emotions that we're talking about. And it really puts into perspective how fucking stupid that that company is and how it's really a shame that that's the guy who won. You know what I mean? Like that company is fucking stupid, but uh, you know, yeah. So, you know, I, I didn't love the match. And the thing with Shima that you're talking about ever since he, his long dream gate run ended with the exception of that brief period of time where they were zombies for mad blanky. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) His role has sort of been, 
like an ambassador for the company who, you know, even though he has a unit, he's kind of neutral. And he kind of – his role is now he does the best thing for the company. And he's not really like a, an, an authority figure, but he's kind of the de facto on-screen authority figure where he'll come out and make match uh, make a match now and then or make a decision like this now and then or, or, or be the voice of reason if guys are arguing. You know what I mean? That's kind of been right. his role. And it's really a cool role because it's like he talked about after he lost the title. He's not going to be in the Dreamgate mix anymore, and, and he's stepping away from that. And he mentioned all the great young talent that they had and their need to elevate them. And, you know, he told the fans this. This wasn't something that they said, you know, behind the scenes that was reported by the Dave Meltzer of Japan or whatever. It, 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 it's an open dialogue. Yeah, be transparent. Yeah, stuff, be trans- you know, and it's like I'm not going to be in that mix anymore. We're going to elevate these guys, and that's kind of been his role. And it's really a cool role to have a guy like that. Uh, this might be the one where we uh, disagree on. We'll see about this guy. They opened the Twin Gate. It was Yamato and Naroki Doi. Uh, their sixth defense, uh, defeating uh, Yoshino and T Hawk. What do you think of this? I I don't know. I didn't. I just couldn't get into it. I didn't love it. Oh damn it! I didn't love <laughs> I was it. Was really expecting. I was really expecting you to love this one. I liked it better than the Triangle Gate match. But yeah, it just I don't know. When it was all said and done, maybe it was my anticipation for the main event. I don't know what it was, but I just. It, it, it seemed like it went on for just so long. Like I, I kept looking up and I kept going, what the, when is this going to end? And like, I, I, I normally don't do that. And I really do usually like Doi and I like Yamato a lot. And of course I like Yoshino and, and Tioch's fine. But yeah, I mean, I like everybody that was in this. There was just, I don't know. And it might be that I just don't have a strong thought or a strong opinion about the match. I mean, there's nothing that came out of this that I really want. I mean, I think Doi and Yamato are a great team. Uh, I think they work really well together, and I thought there was a lot of really cool stuff that they did throughout the match. But by and large, I, I just – I don't know. It didn't hook me at any point. I like that they've been kept together despite the unit shuffling. I like that they're still champions. I believe that's a record-setting sixth defense. I don't believe anyone's ever had six successful defenses. Hmm. That's, yeah, I don't know about that. Let me check that out. That's a title that um, tends to uh, bounce around a little quicker than that. Um, but they, I like I love them as a team. I think they're they're my number two tag team right now behind the Young Bucks for tag team of the year. And I didn't hate the match. I just didn't love it. It was a match. It was there. Okay, they're tied. They're tied with one other team. Do you know this team? I don't. All right, Mochizuki and Don Fuji. Hmm. From September two thousand twelve is when I think they won it, and they had six defenses. So they've got one defense to go. Yeah, and then they, they have the all-time then. To break the record. So there you go. Um, but yeah, they, they beat the remnants of the Monster Express here, which, I mean, that, you know, I don't know what it's the hanging on by with thread, that. Yeah. That's like the long sta- longest standing unit at this point. So That was my unit for a while there, remember? That was a great unit. When they first broke, it had Uh-oh. every guy that was your favorite guy. Like I know, it was like... <laughs> your was six like, favorite guys or whatever were in the same <laughs> unit. the greatest thing ever. Yeah. It was because it was Ricochet, Tozawa... Doi Yamato, um, no, no, no. Rick, Rick. or not Doi Yamato? No, no, no. Uh, 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 Yoshino is who I meant. Yeah. Uh, uh, Rick, so I said Yoa Nation, and then who was? Um... Well, who'd you say? You said you you said uh, Tazawa, Ricochet, Tazawa. Yuha, um, uh, Yoshino. Oh, uh, Sachi Hoko Boy was the other guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, you know, they had like your four favorite. Oh, and Shingo, guys, and, Shingo. and Shingo. Did you say? And so Shingo, had, yeah. Shingo's the one we missed. So it had your five favorite guys. You know, plus plus the boy. So. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was a, that was a great unit and they're kind of just hanging on by a thread now and they really took a beating on this show. Yeah. That, this might be sort of the, the end of it. So we'll see. I don't know. I, I, I have no idea, but it kind of seems like something where maybe Tozawa goes, look, we need to, we need to re recoup here. Cause this, this isn't working. Yeah. Um, but so yeah. And again, this was Berserk with another big win. Berserk won the Brave Gate. 
They successfully defended uh, the Twin Gate, and they successfully defended the Dream Gate. And, well, and what's actually a fun – sorry not to interrupt you, but I remember Case. I, I just remember this now. He sort of mentioned this in his review of this match is that it was kind of interesting to see that Yamato and Doi, they, they, they worked so well as a team. They were always there when the other one was down. They were always you know working not well off of each other and, and working well with one another whatever. Um, my internet's probably going to go because my dogs are fucking around with the power cord over there. <laughs> so if I go out at any point, that's why. What are you guys doing? There's like a ball that's sitting on the surge protector. So it could it could blow at any moment. So just in case you know that, but um, hey man, yeah. they don't listen. Dragon Gate's divisive. These dogs don't like Dragon Gate. Yeah, they're like fuck this they shit. Talk about New Japan. That's right. They like the they like the strong style. But uh, okay, they've walked away. So I think we're good for for right now. So um, <laughs> one thing that he mentioned uh, about this was that you know it seemed like Doi was always there for Yamato and Yamato was always there for Doi. Anytime one of them was in trouble, the other was there to help. When I, you didn't get that with Yoshino and T Hawk, it was like T Hawk was gone for like. 10 minutes at a time or whatever and that's I think it's an important story and maybe that's what they're going to play up a little bit as well is that Yoshino was taking just a beating for so long and he ended up taking the fall here and like where the fuck was T-Hawk you know what I mean like he never he never came up so that's maybe something they can play into is that like hey look you know <laughs> you're not doing you're not really helping us too much or maybe something like that I don't know what it is but I thought that was an interesting point by Case there that you just never got anything from T-Hawk and that might just be self-contained within this one match but I thought that was an interesting uh, little nugget that he he noticed so yeah that's that's another example of it's hard to just parachute in because how would anybody know that if you don't follow the promotion that Yoshino and T-Hawk are, are this team that isn't necessarily they, – they, they're not a team. So they didn't right. work well together while the other the other two guys have been long long-time champions and, and they've been teaming for literally years. So, uh, so you know, they were the more willow machine and they defended. Now, Rich – I think we're pretty much done with this show because we already did, yeah, the, main we event. did the main event. We covered that, yeah. I've yeah. got breaking news. Uh oh. The Hall of Fame results Ooh. are in. And Rich, as you know, seven men got in. We knew that a while ago. Um, if I were to ask you, Rich. <clears throat> who, okay, let's see. Who do you think, who do you think were, 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 was a virtual lock to get in this year? Okay, let me go through. I got my list here somewhere. The original list. Uh, let's see. All right, let me fire if these. If you guys had up. to pick some names that you thought, without question, were going to get in, who would? You yeah. Okay. Um, I thought Brian Danielson. Okay, and but I'll preface this. Um, we're doing this live as the news is breaking. I yeah, I, I no saw clue. the list. Rich didn't. I told him to stay off of Twitter. Um, and you know we're positioning Rich to to either look like a genius, fail, a genius, yeah. or a fool here. And of course, he's going to look like a fool. So, yes. so uh, Brian Danielson. Yes. Uh, Brock Lesnar. Okay. Uh, Volkan. Okay. You felt that those three men were absolute locks. I think so. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Um, Shinsuke Nakamura is a guy that I thought probably would be. Just because I, I wouldn't, but I, I see why people would do it. Man, Lucha, I have no fucking so clue. Thought, so I'm, I'm gonna. Well, you thought those were four of the seven. I thought those were four of the seven. Yeah. As far as the Lucha, I, those I have no clue. Those are. I think that made up the rest of my list in terms of. Yeah, because I don't know who from the Jimmy Hart maybe. If you want to add another, so that's really? five. You find, see him as a lock. Okay. I, I thought so. I mean, it seems like he should be, but <laughs> it doesn't seem to. Uh, and then the Lucha guys, I have no fucking clue. Okay. Um, I could tell you that. You know, maybe Paraguayo, but I, I doubt it. Uh, I, I have no clue. Yeah, I can't, I can't predict the Lucha guys. Okay. I just don't. So you've picked five guys who you thought, without question, when you opened up the issue tonight would be in, and those are your five. Yeah, I think so. What I do, Danielson, um, it, Fulcon, Nakamura, and Brock Lesnar. Yeah, yeah. And Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart, yeah. 
I can tell you that two of those men got in. And wow. there's an absolute bombshell, and I can tell you what the big story is, is that one of the, one of those names that you mentioned did not get in. To me, it's a bombshell. I'm shocked. Um, so how do you want to play this? You want to try to guess the two that did get in? Okay, the two that got in, Nakamura. I, w- I won't confirm until you get both. Okay, Nakamura and Volkan. One of those men got in. Volkan. Wrong. Oh, so Nakamura. Nakamura's in. Jesus. No, that's ugly. Uh, Jimmy Hart? And Brock Lesnar. Oh, okay. All right. I think Brian Danielson not getting in. Wow. That is unbelievable. Is that's, that's unprecedented. That's, that's a bombshell. I really that sucks. That's, that's just, come on. Um, so that's two of the seven. I can tell you that one of the seven was a historical guy that wasn't up for voting. That was Eddie Quinn, the promoter okay. of Montreal. So we've got Nakamura. We've got Lesnar. Why is Nakamura? That's so. And we. How does Nakamura get in and Brian? I mean, come on. Are you serious? You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, I know they're different categories, I, but that's just unbelievable. I'm not incensed about. I'm not incensed about it. I I, I am surprised that Brian Danielson didn't get in. But What's the argument not to? I, I mean, that, that, that's there's just nothing. It's no. I felt Nakamura was an absolute lock. I knew he. Was, I thought so too. I, I we didn't both. Even vote I think. For him, we, but I thought. No, I didn't. I didn't. Either, but I thought. I, I I knew it. It wasn't going to matter. That he was going to get in no matter what. Um, so. And I'm not bothered by it. I, even though I didn't vote for him, I'm not bothered by it. You. Yeah. I, for it. me, I wanted a little bit more out of him, and it's not to say that he's not going to be a Hall of Famer, that he's not in the trajectory. He absolutely is. But I just, for me, I, I would feel better if it was in like three years or whatever. You know what I mean? Where you, you get another run, maybe he gets an IWGP Heavyweight Title run or whatever, and then it's so no doubt that he's in or whatever. But hey man, we, we talked. I, about you know, I didn't vote for him, but I mean, I, the other thing is, no one who's won Wrestler of the Year has not gotten in. So yeah. I mean, so, that that helps. So that's three. Okay. So let me see. Let me look at the rest of the names. Okay. Only one of the Lucha guys got in. Oh, that's not going to go well. Do you want to take a crack at that? Whew, let's see here. Uh, let's go with Volano 3. Pero Aguayo Jr. Ooh, really? So this is, uh, okay. I mean, he fell out. Okay. Now, <laughs> that is the death bump of all death bumps, I can right tell there. you. Um, he didn't get it last year. Wait, wait. Wasn't he up for vote last year? I think he fell off, and then they put him back on. Because of the death. The death so, okay. The death bump lives, man. The death Good bump. God, is that a death bump? Yeah, because uh, I wasn't sure if there was a year between where he wasn't on. No, he was uh, he was on last year and then fell off, right? And then got back on yeah, this year? Yeah, yeah. I think he was on the death? Okay. got off, I think. Um, now, now, look, obviously, this is all old news by the time you guys are hearing it, but we're getting Rich's organic reactions. That's what I think yeah, is fun about geez. this. I can tell you that just glancing at some of the percentages um, – and again, this will be old news. A lot of the Lucha guys do survive, though. Okay. A lot of ones that were in danger of falling off. We do have a number of them that will survive, but um, we'll get into that in a minute. Um, so let's see what we're down to. How many we, we need you to pick here? Three, right? So there's three more. Yeah, okay. Um, I could tell you that two of them were from the – well, how do you want to do this? Do you want to try to attempt to figure – to name the three? Oh, okay. Here we go. Carlos Colon. Carlos Colon's one of them. You are correct. He's in. Okay. There's the two. other one. Did Big Daddy finally make it? He did not. Oh, Big Daddy. Um, and I will look for his percentage as you're thinking it through. Let's yeah, see let's see here. I don't. I don't think any of the Europe guys, other than there is no European candidate. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's one of this Pacific Australian. Oh God, was it the Brute Bernard Skull Murphy? No. Damn it! Who is? 
All right. The other two are the assassins who were on the chopping block. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And another chopping block. Oh, I forgot historical. There that is. Okay, I scrolled up all the way up. I forgot that that wasn't even a category. But and the final man also on the chopping block, Ivan. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, he would. Oh, you know what? No, what? I I should have said that that was on my locks. I thought for sure, especially with him on the chopping block, that he was going to make it. That with the late push, he would get in. Yeah, I forgot about him. I I should have mentioned him. But okay, so your instant reaction seems to be. You're you're perplexed that Nakamura's in, and you're yeah. absolutely stunned, as I am. Brian Danielson did not get in. Well, I mean, it's uh, like when we talked about in the Hall of Fame show. I mean, if there was a guy who who you know take the fact that it, what he did was was in ring and and turn it into as you said drawing, which is one of the three categories. If there was a guy who was for God a decade, almost a full decade, was no doubt the best draw, no matter what territory he was in, no matter where he wrestled, no matter what company, people went in droves to go watch him. People paid money to go watch him. Did that, did, you know. It'd be a lot. I mean, it'd be laughable if he didn't make it in, right? And here's a guy who, for a decade, I mean, even Dave mentioned it, and I think without much objection, that he was the wrestler of the 2000s, the best wrestler of the 2000s, multiple most outstandings. Pretty much anybody you ask in the world is going to say, yeah, Brian Danielson from you know 2004 till you know 2010 was was probably the best in ring worker, or one of the best. Arguably, you know, you can put him in the top five, even if you're not, if you would say, oh no, X is the better, or whatever. Top five, top ten, you can see what the fucking hype is, right? Like, you understand why he was so widely known, and then he goes to WWE and then draws, which he didn't need to do, but then he does again. So if you really needed that, he didn't need it. He basically had it anyway, just in ring, and then he goes to WWE and is a tremendous draw, sells a ton of merchandise, and then main events a huge WrestleMania, being the focal point of the WrestleMania, wrestling twice in it, and making them completely change their plans because the fans refused to, and no? Okay. I, I mean, I, I, felt, I, it's I felt, just like, I, what, what do you need then? What, what, what? I, I don't get it. It's just. I felt he was a ver- I felt he was a lock, a lock to get in this year. I felt Nakamura was a lock. I felt Lesnar was getting in this year, too. I thought mm-hmm. Lesnar was the lock to get in this year. Um, I don't know. People are going insane on Twitter because that's what Twitter does. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't have a major problem with this. Look, I, I think, you know, the biggest one I have a problem with is Perroglio Jr. I'm not totally comfortable with that one considering, you know, all these other guys in the ballot who've been struggling to get in. I, I don't, I, I, I got to see the voting breakdowns um, before I, you know, comment hardcore on it. But um, I feel like the death bump has reared its ugly head uh, with that one. To an I, insane degree. I mean, he was what, tw- like hovering around 20%. Or he fell off. Yeah, no, he times, fell off. Yeah, so. I mean, I don't, I don't get that one. And did, um, I mean, what did he do in those? That's, yeah, that, that's, that's not a good one. And I don't vote Lucha, so I don't really – I mean I don't care. But I'm sure there are people who spend tons of time researching or whatever that are like, you know, I do all this work. I do all this sort of stuff. And then people go, oh, yeah, Paraguay, I've, I, that guy died or I've heard of him. And then check his mark and then now he's a – yeah, I, I get – I could be – I understand how you'd be very frustrated if you're in the Lucha category. Um, I don't – I'm looking for the vote uh, total breakdowns. OK. Oh, my god. Dave outdid himself with the formatting on this one. Holy shit. <laughs> this is unreadable. I guess you can look it up now because okay, all right, now can, I'll look because you already know. But so it's an extra set of eyes to try to decipher what the fuck Dave. Good trying to God, do. maybe it's my browser. I, I, this Let's is unreadable. See. Holy shit! Let's see here. All right. How about this? Uh, as you're pulling it up, it's not on the main page. Thanks. <laughs> so one sec. Let me. Uh, there we go. Okay. He didn't even. He didn't even. It was Barack on the board who. Who posted it? All right. Oh, and the first comment is beautiful formatting. So I, I don't think you're alone. 
Uh, let's see. Let's scroll here. Scroll, 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 scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh my god! What the fuck? This is no. unreadable. Yeah, no, I got nothing. We're we're done. We, I don't think sorry. we can break this down. No, uh, I, mean, we I think can Brian look at Danielson s- got fifty four percent. He got fifty four percent. He's okay. Get, look, who are we look, looking at? Look, Rich. He's getting it. Yeah, no, I know. He I got fifty four percent. He's getting it. This strikes me as uh, we, we had an argument about that too. Of the oh well, you know he's not a first ballot, or oh I can't you know put him in right away. Now this guy's not going to do anything to add to his. You he's, know, he's, it, it's, if he's at fifty four percent now, he's getting in. Um, no, he's getting in. But there's no reason not to get him in now. You know, it's one of those things. It's like okay. hey, here's who was dropped. Ready? Okay. Less than ten percent. <laughs> Good luck. Bob, Bob, no, I can read this. Okay. It's Bob Geigel, uh, Big Show, AJ Styles falls off again. Oh, uh, Hector Garza. So four guys fall off. Now, this is confusing because it says dropped from next year's ballot due to the 15 year, 50 percent rule. No. OK, so there's no one in danger next year of falling off for the 1550. There's okay. no one on the chopping block with the 1550 next year added to the ballot next year. Uh, here's some interesting things. OK, um, I think that's Mystico with his new name, Caristico. With like his nineteenth difference. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's that's, listed that's... there as Caristico. Kerry Von Eric back on the ballot. Oh, okay. Uh, Fishman back on the ballot. I don't know if he's ever been on it, but he's certainly not a new candidate. Uh, Bearcat Wright again. I don't know if he's ever been on it, but clearly he didn't just qualify. Uh, Pedro Morales is going back on. So that's what we've got. We've got uh, Car- Pedro just dropped off two years ago, right? Yes, we've got Mister yeah, Go, Kerry Von Eric. Fishman, Bearcat Wright, Pedro Morales, but I think Pedro goes into the historical bucket now because I think okay. now we're to the point where we're whatever number of years passed when he was a uh, okay, okay. player. So he's going into the historical bucket. We'll be dropped next year if not inducted or at 50%. Ciancaris, Volano 3, Vulcan, Blue Panther. All of those men survived. That's what I was talking about earlier. A bunch of the Lucha guys, Ciancaris, uh, okay, Volano okay. 3, Blue Panther. They live to fight another day. Volkan lives to fight another day. 52%, no, yeah, 52% for Volk. But no one is being added to that next year. There's no one. Okay, has, so it's the same guys that are up again. Yeah, It's okay. those four, and there are probably some others who are falling off, but I can't fucking read this, so I couldn't tell you. Here's what's interesting. Here's, here you go, Rich. Here's something that you on. Carlos Colon, exactly 60%. How about that? Oh, <laughs> How about that? After get so he and he would have fell off. Well, actually, no, he would have stayed on because he would have had over fifty. He had over fifty, yeah. But but he he maybe just got in by that one vote again. Uh, here's one that's going to annoy uh, people who voted for him, including both people on the line. Mean Gene Okerlund, Rich, fifty eight percent. Oh, and that's a jump. That's a jump from thirty six. Well, then we're we're doing our job Gene, a little bit, but he's trending upward. Jim Crockett Senior, fifty seven percent. Wow, he's trending okay. up. Those are those he are all because random. of me. I think I, these are all the guys I voted for. So I'm a trendsetter, uh, apparently. The uh, Los Misioneros de la Muerte, fifty six percent up from thirty six percent. I did not help that. I didn't help that one at all. But well, we didn't hurt it either. No, either. I didn't we hurt didn't, it. Volano so. <laughs> yeah. three fifty six percent. Uh, Daniel Bryan fifty four percent. These are the people who are close. Ben and Mike Sharp up to fifty four percent. Cian Caris fifty four percent. Volcan, 52%. No movement there. He was 51% last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the one Here's the one I would like you to react to. Sting went from 33% to 51%. 
that's yeah I, I i could see that no i'm not surprised i'm not i it'll be interesting to see next year because the the united champions record uh, numbers came out and they did really well <laughs> really really uh, a profitable show for wwe a really really up you know, you know compared to other pay-per-views or other united champions or whatever so you know you're looking at a guy and sting was in the main event so it'll be interesting to see if he if this wwe run materializes at least a little bit more or whatever i could see him getting in next year for sure Big Daddy dropped two percent from forty. Oh, that sucks. That's not good. That's not good for the old Big Daddy. Uh, Blue Panther. This is saying forty percent, but then I don't understand why. No, there's a table here that's missing. There's a table that's missing because you have to see, and that's because I try to look at 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 below that because they have like the rankings, you know, you know, former wrestlers, active wrestlers, all that sort of stuff. That's not in a table, so you're not going to be able to read that. So don't don't. How about Tank Koji hanging on with twelve percent? How, who is the? Who are you people? <laughs> I don't know. I really don't get it. So anyway, those are the big. Are we missing any uh, key? I mean, uh, we'll CM do Punk this more was, in depth. Where was Punk at? Punk was twenty two percent. Punk. Anybody else? Is that what I'm reading up? right? He went up two percent. Punk went up. Punk went up twenty two percent. Shima twenty three percent. That's about where we thought he'd fall. Mm-hmm. We, remember, we figured he'd be a guy who'd hang around for the fifteen years. He's going to hang around for a long, long, long time. Yeah. yeah he, what about Akiyama? This guy uh, voted for. Akiyama. Let's. See if we can fucking find it. Um, <laughs> it's just I'm in June. Oh god, June Byers. Damn it. Uh, there he is. Oh, he's at 33 percent now. Junakiyama up from 29 percent. I think. I don't know what is the first number the the new number or the second number. The first number is the new number. Okay, so he's up uh, up a few. He's 33 percent from 29. So Tawei went up 10 percent from 16 to 26. He's never getting in. No, that's that's kind of the end of that. I don't so. want to say never, but he's eh, got a it's, lot it's, of ground to make up. And the thing is. The Japan voters like to put people in, and he's only at 26%, which doesn't bode well. Um, you know, so, uh, yeah, it's not looking good. I think, uh, let's see, Edge, 44%. A lot of people shot up. Uh, yeah, it seems like a lot. Of, I'm wondering where that all... I'm not seeing a ton of people. Who fell, yeah. Who shot. Ultimate Warrior, oh, I, I think just real briefly looking at uh, that, Ultimate Warrior looks like he fell a bunch. Um, I'm trying to see other guys that's... I think Mean Gene's a big story here, getting up to 58%. Yeah, that's good. That's, I mean, um, it, where, where's Jimmy Hart at? Sorry, I forgot to mention him. 36, he stayed the same. What the yeah, fuck? Yeah, I don't know what you were on, man. I didn't see him as a lock at all. I don't think he's going to get in. But why not? I, I, vote, it's, I, I vote for him. Yeah, I just don't, I, I, that's what I say. I just don't get it, like, in terms of, I feel like there's just going to be a wake-up call where everybody goes, oh, fuck, Jimmy Hart's not on there yet. Like, Howard Finkel, big jump, 29 to 42. Yeah, that's all me. That's all me and Rob. We were, uh, you tried to do this anti Finkel uh, ring announcer thing, and we, we fight the power and I, got him up there. I'm not voting for a fu- okay. fucking ring That's announcer. Fair. That's just not happening. Uh, Minoru Suzuki's big Noah run. What do you think that did for him? He was at 22%. Uh, probably lost like a, maybe up 2%. Up to 36%. All right. It seems like everybody's up. So, oh, okay. Hear this one, and they then we can move on. Randy Orton, take a shot at Randy Orton. Oh, sure. uh, 25%. 15%, you can kiss Randy Orton. Yeah, okay. Well, that's, he's never that's good. I have some faith then. Uh, I, he's never getting in, unless he goes on some miracle run, which probably isn't going to happen. Um, Orton's not going to. No respect for Orton in the voting at all. No. I thought, well, I, I thought I thought he, he would, would do, do well. better than, yeah, especially in this Hall of Fame. I thought he'd <laughs> you know, be a third. If you and I were doing a Hall of Fame, he'd do terrible. But uh, in, in this particular Hall of Fame, I thought he would do quite well. But 
And of course, the guys who dropped off, we don't get those percentages. I'd love to know, you know, how many votes AJ Styles got. Yeah. Um, That that's interesting to me. Big Show as well. I'd like to know the number of votes that those guys got. Man, the Danielson Um, thing just is weird. It's just because if not him, then okay, then nobody is getting in right away off of work, right? You're essentially saying that. Listen, I've been saying this. Rich, I've been saying this for years. <laughs> like then, then it's not a working hall. Just say, let's just that, vote who the best some, draws were and, and call it a day. I've been saying this for years, and somehow there's people who argue with me. I, I don't know where they're coming from. You, d- d- workers do not get respect in the voting in these hall. The guys who are great workers do not get the respect that the great draws get. Great, the easiest way to get in is to be a great draw. If you're a great draw, the voters will overlook everything else as well. They should. If you're a hall of fame level draw, you should get in. If you're a Hall of Fame level worker, you should get in. That's the problem, though. The Hall of Fame level worker does not get in. Otherwise, Junakiyama would not be struggling at the, at the level he's at, and and Danielson would have gotten in. I no. think Danielson will get in, but it, it's like you just said, and like I pounded home many times before. If there is a if there's a draw comparable to the level of worker that Brian Danielson is, they're getting in without with, with like eighty percent. But you know, because that you'd be an all time. He's an all time great worker. So if you're an all-time great draw, you're getting in. So yeah, it, you know it's it's it's. And I guess the other thing too we have with him because I'm I'm looking at other guys. I'm going down this list and I'm looking at guys like a uh, Crispin Wong, like a Kurt Angle, or guys that got in super early. And I'm not saying because X got in that Y should get in. One of those sort of things. But those are guys that got in. I mean, 100% because of their work at the time. They were just you know ideal workers or whatever. You know, great. Yeah, that, that's essentially it. There's no draw pattern with those sort of guys, but. It, it might just be a thing where, you know, you and I were in this little thing and we, we you know, we watch Ring of Honor, we watch that sort of stuff. There, I mean, there, we're, we're taking for granted. There's probably a ton of voters that look at WWE and WWE only, you, you know what I mean? Or like big stuff and have no fucking clue what he did in Ring of Honor, which to me, that's like uh, unbelievable that you'd be a Hall of Fame voter and not, you know, have some cursory knowledge of what he did in Ring of Honor. But that could be it. They're saying, hey, he did all of his work, you know, in front of 20 people at a bingo hall or whatever. It's, and it's, it's it older voters who don't understand. Right, and you couldn't be more wrong. Yeah. You're a fucking idiot. Yeah. But okay, if that's if that's what you want to do, then that's fine. Whereas, you know, you look at his WWE run, like, oh, he didn't do enough in his WWE run, forgetting that the guy didn't even have to step foot in WWE for me to consider him a Hall of Famer. But, you know. You know, it's uh It's what it is. Well, then things are going to, I mean, okay, then that's fine. Then that's, it's, it's going to be a rough go for a lot of modern guys then. From here on out, because yeah, I mean, um, you know, again, and I, I, I keep hearing about this narrative that it keeps being slanted and making it easier for modern guys. And <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I don't, I don't like, listen. I and the and, best wrestler of the modern era. Uh, this isn't like me looking at results. And I, I've been saying all along that I don't. I think that's bullshit, and I don't buy it for one second. I really don't buy that for one second. I don't think it's any easier for the modern guys. Yeah. I don't think the, these new rules make it easier for the for the modern guys. I think people are still going to vote for who they think deserves uh, to be in. Um, if, if 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 let me put it this way: if the new rules made it easier for modern guys, Danielson would be in, and he would have gotten in very easily. And uh, you know, Big Show and AJ Styles would still be on the ballot, and Randy Orton wouldn't be a complete non-entity. I just don't yeah. buy that argument for one second. And I still don't have an issue with dropping people because uh, I'm going to have to pat myself on the back again, just like I said, too, with the 1550. You still have the caveat of hanging around if you're close. If you're over 50, you stick around. And guess what? Nobody fell off with the 1550. All the key guys are still there from the 1550. So what's the big deal? If you're close, you stay on. And if you're not close, 
get rid of these guys after 15 years? What are we keeping people around who are getting 30% of the vote for? Kurt Henning needs to be gone after the 15th year. Oh, what did he have again? He he stuck on. <laughs> he got 30% again. He bounces Jesus. and he got 23 last year and he probably had 30 a year, but he, he's a guy who never gets more than 30%. And it's like, if you don't have this rule, then Kurt Henning literally stays on forever because he's never falling below that. You know what I mean? Like the same. Yeah, right. Are keep- Him and Owen Hart are just going to always sort of float yeah. there for a while. And a guy like Shima or whatever. I mean, Shima is going to be one that I think is probably going to, you know, you know, where the rule probably is going to knock him off at some point or, or actually uh, what I want to say, not knock him off at some point where he's going to stay there for uh, ever and ever and ever in, in the old, you know, um, the old days. He would be a guy who would get, you know, Rich, 28%, 30% if every year, single year. Yeah. It's the year 2030. And Shima still has he's not 20, a Hall of Famer. He still has twenty three percent of the vote. Why are we bothering to put him on the ballot at that point? Get rid of these fucking guys. And I agree, keep him on if it's over fifty. I can even possibly hear an argument, keep him on if they're over forty five. But I really think that's pushing it. Get rid of these guys. It's pointless. It's pointless because they're never getting in. And I, I, I didn't think this would end up. You know, I didn't think we'd see a slew of new candidates getting in because of this, and we didn't. And I didn't think we'd see a slew of guys falling off, and we didn't. If anything, the opposite has occurred. The rule is helping the older candidates because people are saying, shit, we got to shit or get off the pot with this guy. And the guy like Cologne is in. So I think it's actually having the opposite effect. And look, again, Twitter's going insane right now, but they would have went insane no matter what what seven yeah years. no matter what i happens. really think that if that nobody gets voted in if everybody gets voted I, in I, if no you couldn't come up with seven names where twitter wouldn't have went insane but but my my first take on this is i'm shocked that danielson get it in did not get in and i really don't have any problem with anyone who did get it. i mean but the, here's the thing about me i wouldn't have had a problem with anybody who got in i i, I think that everyone on the ba- i'm with dave i think that everyone on the ballot is somewhat deserving i didn't i you know i only voted for three people so i obviously don't agree that a lot of the guys that got in are hall of famers but i don't have a major problem with it i'm not gonna go nuts about it i'm like oh my god i can't believe it. it's not a big deal to me i, I think you know it's it's right you know I, I don't have a major problem with these results um uh, Actually, looking at this, I, I couldn't. If you had to say, Joe, what's the biggest issue you have with this year's uh, voting? Um, I'm not even sure I'd come up with something other than I think Junkyard Dog is still criminally not getting the support that he deserves, which is kind of hypocritical because I don't vote for him. But he's still only at 29%. I think he's better than a 29% candidate. So other than that, I don't know. It seems like Brock Lesnar is the guy that most people are upset about. But I think people should have seen that coming. I, I felt he was a lock to get in. I really thought he was going to get in uh, you know, with the year that he had. Um, yeah. But again, I didn't vote for him. All right, so scroll through Twitter now. Yeah, everybody's freaking out and going nuts. But <laughs> that, like you said, it was, it, was, it was bound to happen regardless. So uh, that's interesting. Yeah, Mostly it's, about uh, Lesnar, correct? Yeah, well, what's the, what's the takes on Lesnar? Just, it seems I'm still like scrolling. Lesner, it's taking so long to, you know. To me, it seems like Lesnar's the guy that people are going insane about, but I could be wrong. Okay. I only looked at it briefly. I, I don't. Uh, Nakamura too is one that that some of the usual suspects are, are going nuts about, and I, and I agree. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of Nakamura right now, but yeah, I'm not gonna. It's not all that's wrong with the entire Hall of Fame. It's not Nakamura. I don't think. But, look, I, I felt he I felt he was getting in without question. So I'm not surprised. Maybe that's why it doesn't bother me. 
I felt he was getting in without question. Um, and I didn't vote for him, but you know, what are you, what are you, what are you all right, all right. Close out of that. I'll deal with that <laughs> another day, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of talk. And, I, I'm and stuff more interested in. I'll tell you what I'm more interested. In. Here's what I'm more interested in. I'm more interested. I'd like to hear the lucha voter mindset on what was the great change with Perro Aguayo Jr. That's mm-hmm. what I'd like to know. Because that one, that's weird to me. That's that's the one that sticks out, and I I couldn't tell you anything about Eddie Quinn. So leave me out of that. Catch VoicesOfWrestling.com this week for continued coverage of New Japan Pro Wrestling's Power Struggle Tour, including a review this weekend of the pay-per-view headlined by Carl Anderson versus Shinsuke Nakamura for the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. October is over and the results are in. What was the best match in all of October? Right now, the front page of VoicesOfWrestling.com. With your votes in, we rank the top 10 matches of the month. New Brit Wrestling Roundtable, New Japan Pearlcast, Shake Them Ropes, new podcasts up now at voicesofwrestling.com we appreciate all the support that you give to the website and our podcasts and we love your continued support by using our amazon affiliate link when you do your holiday shopping visit voicesofwrestling.com amazon shop like normal at no extra cost and your purchases help support the growth of voices of wrestling check out voices of wrestling on itunes stitcher tune in youtube downcast and more the podcasts are free the website is free the debate is free. Voicesofwrestling.com. All right. And then obviously this weekend, New Japan has a big show, the Power Struggle, um, <clears throat> their Power Struggle 2015 show. As much as we've had the Road to Power Struggle, you did a review a few weeks ago, a solo review of some of the shows. Uh, I did the review on the website of last week's show. We're not going to get into heavy detail about that show. We're, we're going to kind of mention it a little bit as we preview this show. But if you're looking for like a full review of that show, uh, you're not going to get it here. We're just going to kind of preview, run down the matches here, and kind of maybe give some of our predictions of what we think it's going to go. Because this will be a big... Uh, a big step in, in what's going to happen uh, for Wrestle Kingdom. So it, it'll be fun to sort of see what we get going here. But, uh, yeah, we'll just start off here. I'll do the, the opener. Uh, you got David Finley, Jay White, Sho Tanaka, and Yohei Komatsu versus Jushin Thunder Liger, Masquerade Dorada, uh, Rigusuke Taguchi, and Tiger Mask. So it is what it is. It's it's your your opener, five minutes, a lot of guys. Not much you can do there. But uh, one thing that, that I have mentioned, I, I did say in my um, – <clears throat> And my review of that Road to Power Struggle show is that if people haven't, if you've been watching these shows and going, hey, I got too much to do, you know what, I don't have time for all this, and skipping the young boys, you know, any combination of those guys, whether it be Finley, White, Tanaka, Kamatsu, just stop doing it because they are really putting in unbelievable, like, I, and I'm not, I'm not overstating it by saying they're just really, really spectacular performances almost every single time out. Like, like some of the best matches on those Road to shows were those openers with the young guys. It, it's, it's incredible how good they are. Yeah, I, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier with Dragon Gate, but um, we were talking about young wrestlers all over Japan. But there's oftentimes on these Road 2 shows where the young boy openers is the best show in the match, is the best match yeah, it's fiery, on the show. Uh, the crowd's the hottest. Like, there was that one Road 2 show where, where the crowd was, was kind of, you know, was iffy the whole time. But then the, the opener, they went nuts because the guys are just, they're, they're really, really, really good. And it's, it's, they've been at least at worst, like the third best match on, on shows. And that's, that's pretty nice. So. That'll work. Hey, man, we've been beating this drum longer than most people. So, yeah. you know, yeah. we've beaten it for years. I'll we've been now. beating uh, it for years. Boy, that one's getting. Yeah, tired. we've been beating this young boy stuff for years. So that's that's, oh, God. that's good. Yep. God. Uh, oh, Captain New Japan. <laughs> Captain New Japan, Juice Robinson and Toge Makabe. What a, what a team there against Cody Hall, Doc Gallows, and Tamatonga of the Bullet Club. So Weren't they a team on on, on the Corkin show, too? It was Captain New Japan. Was it Makabe? Juice Robinson and uh, 
don't think it was Makabe. It was someone else. Yeah, I don't think it was Makabe. Those two have always been the, the Captain New Japan and Juice has been uh, a, a frequent duo. But yeah, I don't know if Makabe was with them with those. But that's uh, that's a unique little match there. But I have no strong like opinion Who or, their or prediction uh, against uh, Cody Hall, Doc Gallows, and Tama Tonga. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's another uh, underneath six man. I mean, Makabe doesn't even have um, a natural like rival on the opposite yeah, I don't side, know what, which is what they uh, usually yeah, do. And it's tricky. It's just because, we had nothing for you. Sorry. <laughs> and Doc was stuck without his partner because his partner's in the main event. So that is as random of a six man as you're going to get. Yeah, that that's the okay. Who's left? You, 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 you. That's you, literally okay, the guys that are left over. I mean, <laughs> like, usually they're not completely random because you have your rival on the other side. This yeah, exactly. There's just nothing. Random. Like Cody Hall and Captain, uh, there's nothing. Yeah, there's there's really not much here. Then we get into uh, some, a mild part of the business, and uh, Evil, the returning Watanabe, makes his uh, return or uh, re-debut, I guess you could say, against Roki Goto. That should be really, really fun to see. I cannot wait for this match. This might be my most anticipated match on the show. I cannot wait for this match. I think this is a chance to be an excellent match. And it's fresh, and it's a new story. And I think that um, they work similar styles. I think they're really going to beat the shit out of each other, and I enjoy that. And uh, it's two guys I really like, so I'm really looking forward to this match. If we were doing yeah, the old WWE 1 to 10 gimmick, I'd probably give this like an 8 or a 9. Yeah, I'm particularly excited to see how Watanabe. I mean, I saw Watanabe uh, work Ring of Honor and a bunch of other stuff, and you, you seem to get like some light turned on, and this guy just got it. Like He understood what he should be doing and and how he can really get a crowd over because for a while there it was still kind of awkward and stuff even his early ring of honor stuff was like yeah he's okay but he's not good but i i saw some really good stuff in his last little uh run with ring of honor so i, I i'm i'm very much anticipating this match too i think they're going to be good I, I think that's a perfect first opponent for him too and go to like because you said they're very they're similar in a lot of ways and i think that'll be a good there's no styles clash there it's 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 two guys that can do a lot of the same stuff well so it, it should be quite good I move on here. Alex Shelley, Bobby Fish, Kushida, and Kyle O'Reilly versus a uh, collection of Bullet Club. But it's actually pretty cool. It's it's a little bit of a two juniors teams kind of tagging up together because then you have Chase Owens, who's a new member of the Bullet Club, uh, Kenny Omega, Matt Jackson, and Nick Jackson. So kind of interesting. It's not really quite a throwaway, I would say, and it's fun to get all those juniors kind of together as well. This could be one hell of a match, and it probably will be one hell of a match. And I think it's, you know, it kind of took me back. Uh, ba- Back a bit when Red Dragon and Time Splitters were teaming together because I kind of see them as rivals, even though they're not really an opposite faction. Red Dragon's kind of just like there; they're not really part of any. Yeah, know. they're not heel face. They're yeah, they're not. Yeah, they're just kind of float. But I mean, this could be an excellent match. And I thought Chase Owens has done his best New Japan work as a member of the Bullet Club. I I, I think that he's he's looked shockingly comfortable in the role teaming with Kenny Omega, and he's projecting himself well. And, yeah, I, I just think he's okay. I, I've never really quite gotten it with him, but and he's not over by any, but he's way more over than I, than he should be. I mean, every time he picks someone up for that package pile driver, working goes nuts, mm-hmm. which makes no sense to me. Um, but you know, so th- this match could be a lot of fun. Look, it's young bucks and a wacky eight man with a bunch of good workers involved. I, I don't see any reason why this match won't be loads of fun. Uh, here's the interesting thing about uh, Danielson. Um, so because you know how I mentioned maybe it was like the old timers or something like that. Uh, somebody finally formatted the thing quite right, but uh, essentially reporters and historians, Brian Nielsen does fantastic in, not even in the top 30 amongst active wrestlers. There you go. Active wrestlers, not even retired wrestlers. So, um, yeah, I I don't know what to really make of that, I guess, 
that's uh, that surprised me a little bit. That goes to show <laughs> that, you know, my my one instinct immediately was that voters don't care about indie wrestling. It's WWE or bust because they clearly mm-hmm. don't care about TNA either. And we're talking about for the modern candidates here because AJ Styles would do better if they cared about indie wrestling or TNA. And I thought to myself, wow, indie wrestling really doesn't make a fucking difference. Yeah. But it's not voters who don't care about indie wrestling. It's wrestlers who don't care about indie wrestling. These modern wrestlers, by adding that bit of info that you just gave me that he didn't finish top 30 with active wrestlers, active wrestlers, that tells me that they have this attitude that if you don't do it in WWE, it doesn't fucking matter. Right, which sucks for the future because that's, you know, like nobody said that, you know, if you did it in one of the bigger territories for a while. I mean, there were so many more places where you could do it in in prior years and you were fine. But now there's only one. But here's the thing. I think that'll be a short term effect because pretty soon those voters are going to be active wrestlers who came from the indies and will have. I see. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So I can definitely see the worm turn. Like a guy like Randy Orton thinks, fuck Ring of Honor, who the hell gives a shit, whatever. But yeah, soon enough. Randy Orton's going to be, you know, not the, the, he's, yeah, you're going to have, uh, you know, Kevin Owens has a ballot. Like Dean Ambrose, like, yeah, Dean yeah. Ambrose and right, Kevin yeah. Owens and Seth Rollins and, and Neville and, and, and whoever the fuck is in NXT right now, Sami Zayn, when those guys all start voting, assuming that they aren't, but you, you see the point I'm making. Right. Like, it, like Randy Orton and Edge and Big Show are like, fuck Ring of Honor. Who gives a shit? They don't right, even know yeah. what it is. Right. There's a good chance Randy Orton doesn't know what it is. I mean, he never yeah. he never worked an indie show in his life. Maybe one or two. I don't I don't think he did. Didn't he work one I don't or think two, he did and then he went to OVW? I think we looked that up not that long ago, but I think it was like a, a pretty much like, hey, just kind of get your feet wet a little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, essentially, he never worked indies for all intent and purpose. He never worked. It. So it's like I think that that might be a short term effect because eventually all of yeah, the that's are going to be all of the modern wrestlers eventually will have come from the indies because that that's the where that you have to now. I mean, it's very rare that you that there aren't many guys who have no indie experience anymore. So they'll have an appreciation for it. Now, remember, you look back 10, 15 years ago, WWE wasn't recruiting from the indies. They were recruiting straight from college or just you know uh, bodybuilders. And so those modern wrestlers that are voting now have no appreciation for the indies because they didn't work them. Right. So I, 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 that could be a short-term effect thing, I think, moving forward. We'll see. Uh, okay, back to power struggle here. Sorry, Joe Gagne doesn't uh, timestamp anymore, so we're okay. He won't go nuts, and we might everybody <laughs> we might do something bigger for these results. Who knows? I you know yeah. We'll 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 figure it out. This is all brand new yeah, information, exactly. so you know we'll you know we'll figure something out. We'll do something. Okay, I'll move on now. Uh, best of the Super Junior, not uh, best of the Super Super Junior Tag Tournament uh, Finals. Here we got Matt Seidel and Ricochet versus Rapongi Vice as your final. Who is your who, who are you predicting here? Who's your lock to win this? I said all along that Rapongi Vice was gonna beat Red Dragon in the semifinals, and I think that um, they they will... I, I mean, it would kind of be deflating if they lost here, no? I mean... I, I, yeah, I think they're losing, though. I really do, yeah. I almost feel like they were supposed to win in the match that got fucked up. And I almost think that, like... Oh, okay, okay. I, I, see, I think that maybe they were supposed to win that match, and then the, the booking has all changed. They beat Red Dragon... So it's almost like it's more natural for them to win the tournament because because they have they beat the champions. You see, mm-hmm. but we okay. but we know that Ricochet are, is booked for the dome, right? 
That's that's kind of why I thought Seidel and, and and Ricochet. That that seems like more of a special attraction than Rapongi Vice. I feel like you can throw Rapongi Vice in the in the you know the inner room or put them anywhere on the card, and I think you're fine. I think one of the big attractions, one of the big draws, would be Seidel and, and Ricochet. You know, going for the titles. But yeah, so I mean, you have solid arguments for both. I really think it's a coin flip match. And I think for both of those reasons, Ricochet already being booked for the dome, and you're going to have to you're going to want to have him in some kind of decent spot. You're not going to want to have him in a six man, you know, with Juice Robinson, right? And then the other end of the coin, well, what's the point of Rapongi beating the champions if they don't go on the win? Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around: a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.